Blog Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Every year, 
Uh, we pick off the action for all of the high-stakes leagues. This is the first FFPC draft of the year. Uh, it's a crew that uh, has been around for a while, and we're happy to have them. We'll be rattling off some names and hopefully having some of these guys uh, show up in the chat room tonight. We've got the bottom fingers, the Quarks, the Quan, the show, War Kittens, Recovery Boys, Smokey's Doghouse Team Thompson, myself, Generation X, a fellow Jet fan, Chef Paul, and the real Leroy. All of these names, if you're in the high stakes world, you know those guys from the message boards and from high stakes competition. It's basically the best of the best here, uh, or we like to think so anyway. Uh, but uh, the FFPC draft is an interesting twist, uh, just for the listeners at home. Uh, pretty much the, the basic twist that everybody has to know is 1.5 points per reception for every tight end catch. That's the big twist, 1.5 points per reception for every tight end catch. And then the other twist that the FFPC offers that's a little unconventional, it's the dual flex. The dual flex basically states that if you start two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end, you have to start two more positions, and you get the luxury of picking whichever of those three positions you'd like. So you could start four running backs. You could start three tight ends. You could start two tight ends and three running backs or four wide receivers. It's just it's just the, the options are absolutely uh, unlimited for what you're able to accomplish here. So uh, the FFPC draft has a, has a lot of preparation involved. Uh, I'm looking at my list right now. I've got my cheat sheet in front of me. You hear that? That's my cheat sheet. I've got uh, all of the players on one piece of 8.5 by 11 paper for those of you listening at home. I fit them all on there with about five minutes to go in the draft. I went ahead and printed up uh, the best list that I could possibly create on short notice. So, yeah, I'm a little unprepared for this, but uh, you know what? We're going to have some fun. I was lucky enough, and I'm going to say lucky enough, to uh, win this thing in the first year of existence. Uh, this is obviously year three, so we've got a long way to go year two. Uh, I'll just tell you, that, I'll tell you the straight-up uh, truth. You know, the, the picks didn't go my way. I had Owen Daniels and Chris Cooley on the 4-5 turn from the two holes. And, uh, you know, of course, both those guys ended up on IR. Hey, Owen Austin, how you doing, buddy? And then I also had Clinton Portis and Michael Turner. Hey, Simon, how you doing, buddy? Clinton Portis and uh, Michael Turner were two of my first two picks, and, of course, they ended up on IR. So four of my first five picks, uh, four of my first six picks, ended up on IR for the season. So, obviously, it didn't go well. Uh, for year two, but year three we're looking for a rebound. Uh, I'm going to try to avoid the injury bug the best I can, and uh, the the only issue here is that I have this dreaded eight spot. Now I don't know if you guys have have already started putting together your list, putting together your your draft spot or where you'd like to be. But let me tell you, the eight is not a good spot if you're uh, if you're a fan right now. Now of course these these situations as we get closer to August and September, things sort of shake out and clear up and. And, and there may be some players that we feel a little less confident about now that we might get a little more confidence in later. But right now, the eighth spot is a dreaded pick. First of all, the conventional thinking is, for everybody at home, you know, it's the big four. Uh, Chris Johnson, Ray Rice, Maurice Jones-Drew, and Adrian Peterson. Those four, in any order, you're going to start off the draft with a pretty good player. I can even add to that Frank Gore, to be honest with you. So the top five for me, Frank Gore, I, I call it the big five. So I throw Frank Gore in there because I think with the addition to the offensive line, the improvement to the offense, it's going to be, they're, they're, he's going to be in very good shape. So I'd be very surprised to see Frank Gore fall to me. Uh, then you've got Andre Johnson as a wide receiver. Andre Johnson is unquestionably the best wide receiver in the game right now. Uh, the stats that he's been putting up, the connection that he has uh, right now with Matt Schaub is just undeniable. It's one of, the, one, of the, one of those matchups that I just love to watch. I love to watch that guy play. Uh, he definitely brings something to the table that, uh, you know, most receivers just don't have with the raw ability, the, the size, the speed, 
everything about Andre Johnson. 101 catches last year, 1,569 yards, nine touchdowns. Could have done more than that, but, uh, you know, you're going to see another big year from Andre Johnson, so definitely expect Andre Johnson to be off the board before our eighth spot. Obviously, um, we're hoping if, if there's any way possible that someone wants to let him fall, it'd be great. So, you're, so there's six players right there that we know are going to be off the board before the eight, eight pick hits us, right? So now we've only got what well, we only have here, a couple of other choices here. Let's, let's take a look at the list because we still haven't figured out who our first pick is going to be here at Red versus Blue. Uh, first pick. Maybe it's a Rashard Mendenhall from Pittsburgh. You know, there's a lot of solid things going on uh, in the running game there because of Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to be gone for six weeks. You know they're going to have to rely on this bell cow here, Rashard Mendenhall. And I kind of I kind of like what I saw from Rashard Mendenhall near the end of the season where he was able to catch the ball. They were, they were counting on him for a little bit of everything. He was a three-down back. He was out there the whole field. Rashard Mendenhall is maybe somebody that Red versus Blue might go with here. Steven Jackson is another name that, that is intriguing. Uh, to say the least, at, at the eighth spot. Now, it's a name that if you're a dynasty player, you know, of course, it's not something that's going to get you all riled up. But as a uh, redraft, Steven Jackson on a bad year last year was, was one of the top ten running backs in the, in, in the league. Uh, 324 carries. The guy is the St. Louis Ram offense, 1,400 yards. He only had four touchdowns last year. Has to get better. Has to be better. The biggest key with about Steven Jackson, you're getting the receptions. 51 catches last year. That is undeniable uh, value. Let me make sure I don't get skipped here because I just want to be, be careful here. Uh, I'm watching this clock, and I'm trying to do the show. So, you know, it might be a little raggedy tonight, but hope you guys can bear with it. If it does get a little raggedy, I'll, I'll put on some tunes. How do you like that tune in the beginning of the show? That was a little uh, – I'd like, like to see if anybody in the chat room can name that artist. Um, in the chat room, we, you, heard, you heard that song in the beginning. We'll give you a red versus blue T-shirt. If you can name that artist from the beginning of the show. Now I've got a little uh, server issue here. With uh, we're drafting on Mock Draft Central. Jeff Stein and those guys at Mock Draft Central uh, provide great customer service for these live drafts. We have somebody standing by, uh, waiting to help us if anything happens. We've got uh, customer support at Mock Draft Central ready to help us. So looks like they had a little bit of an issue. We were wanting to go live at 9 a uh, 9 p.m. tonight. Had a little bit of a draft issue. Uh, they, the commission came in, saved the day. It looks like they've got everything routed the way they're supposed to. I think the three and the ten picks were switched, so they switched those back up, and now I think we're ready to go. Code Crackers in the chat room. Rich McClellan, welcome to Red versus Blue. Glad to see you here, buddy. Prognosticators in the house. That is the big cheese, uh, one of the big cheeses in the FFPC. And then we've got uh, our, our, our uh, first lady of the FFPC, Chris Lambert, in the house. Welcome, Chris. Glad to hear from any of you guys at 347-324-5404. Tonight we're doing the, the Genesis Draft. For all those of you uh, tuning in late, the FFPC Genesis Draft, this is a draft that kicks things off. It gets things going. Uh, it's a 12-team format, one point per reception, one and a half points for every tight end reception. Uh, that's the magic of the FFPC. You've got to be careful. Where is Dallas Clark going to go? Where is Antonio Gates going to go? Jason Witten, Vernon Davis. And the dark horse of tight ends, your Michael Finley. What is this kid's upside? What can he be? Can he be the number one tight end? Can he be a top three, top five tight end? A uh, lot of lot of potential for this kid in that Green Bay offense. They, of course, they spread the ball around. But everybody that watched your Michael Finley last year saw uh, a monster in the making in fantasy football. Your Michael Finley, Aaron Rodgers definitely started finding him here there in, in the season. And he came out of there with 55 catches, 676 yards, and five touchdowns. It wasn't as impressive 
overall for the year, but if you look at the second half of the year, this kid was on a tear. Uh, pull up the stats here. Look, against Baltimore, 7 for 79 and 2. At Chicago, 5 for 70. At Pittsburgh, 9 for 74 and a touchdown. 3 for 80 against Seattle. I mean, 4 for 34 years. The kid was really running in the form. And in that playoff game, 6 for 159. I mean, this is a guy, Michael Finley, I could definitely see finishing off the season, top three, top five. Where is he going to go? That's going to be the question. Okay, the draft is underway. We've got Chris Johnson, Adrian Peterson, Maurice Jones-Drew, and Andre Johnson. War Kitten surprises us all. Puts Andre Johnson and catapults him into the Elite Four. Recovery boys, Tommy Yates, as usual, takes Larry Fitzgerald. Miles Austin off the board with six. We are having some controversy here, ladies and gentlemen. Team Thompson, <laughs> okay, you might know it. Team Thompson scores Ray Rice at the seven pick. Uh, so you know what? Red versus Blue got a little lucky here. They're gonna go ahead and take, we're going to go ahead and take Frank Gore. Look at that first run, man. Wow, that came fast. That was a lightning round of picks. I'm going to go ahead and update my sheet here. I've got Frank Gore. And then the first thing I do is I go ahead and mark his bye week here to make sure I pay a little bit of attention to that, not too much. And then I'm going to mark off these wide receivers here. We've got Andre Johnson. Miles Austin went a little bit earlier than we expect. Uh, that's a pretty high pick for Miles Austin. So Andre Johnson, Warkitten starts us off. I'll take Andre Johnson at four. Tommy Yates never disappoints with his love for Pittsburgh players. Larry Fitzgerald at five. Miles Austin at six. Oh, we definitely want to hear uh, about uh, Smokey and taking Miles Austin at six. He's obviously not worried about what Des Bryant brings to the table there. Ray Rice comes off the board at seven, which is an absolute gift for King Thompson. Don, I love that guy. He's a successful fantasy player in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And so, you know what? Team Legacy gets Frank Gore. Okay, I'll take you. Frank Gore at eight. I talked to several people, and they said there was no way it was going to happen. Well, we got it. We'll take it. All right, we'll move on. Steven Jackson to Glenarison X. You know, you can't fault the pick. We talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, with 50 receptions, even though he's a lumbering big back, I don't like the build. I don't think it can last. But, man, 300 carries, how can you argue with that? Glenarison X gets Steven Jackson in number nine. Number 10, 4D, our friend Mike Krushek. Uh He takes a very safe play here. And I, and I was thinking to myself earlier, he takes Reggie Wayne from the Indianapolis Colts. Peyton Manning's number one target. Uh, I was thinking to myself earlier today, I was having a conversation with uh, fellow FPA board member Mike Santos, and, and we were having a conversation about Reggie. Look, let's just face it, there's no safer play in the game uh, at wide receiver after Andre uh, comes off the board than Reggie Wayne. He's going to get his. There's no, no doubt about it. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald has the talent, but he doesn't have the quarterback, and that's that's a definite, uh, that's a scary, scary situation uh, for, for anybody, no matter how good you are. I mean, you've got Matt Liner. I don't know what kind of games he got. We didn't even have time to research his, his games last year or the year before, but it's not a situation where you can compare Peyton Manning to Matt Leiner. So Reggie Wayne becomes a safer pick than Larry Fitzgerald. Tommy Yates sees it differently. He goes ahead and takes Larry Fitzgerald right up here at the top of the draft. So I think it's a very good pick for uh, for Mike at the 10th spot, Reggie Wayne. Chef Paul comes in at the 11th pick with Calvin Johnson. Now this is the guy that, that is uh, everybody's waiting to see if he's completely healthy. Can he recover from that injury? I think he can. There's no There's no doubt about this kid. Uh, being an elite talent. The only question is, how is what is the state of Detroit? And, you know, they're going to be a team that's still uh, trying to push their way back up towards an eventual playoff run. Is that going to happen this year? Probably not. This is Stafford's second year. It would be a, it would be a, a real surprise story to see them do something like that. But, you know what, Matt Stafford, is, is there's some good momentum there. Uh, Calvin Johnson uh, has all the potential in the world, can be an elite player in this league if he can stay healthy. 
And you've got to imagine that the, that the Detroit Lions are going to be playing from behind just about all year long. So Calvin Johnson at 11 is a very good pick for Chef Paul. Here's, a, here's where the FFPC gets interesting. Dallas Clark comes off the board to the real Leroy. Dallas Clark, the number one tight end off the board at the 12 pick. And, and this is why the FFPC rules are so unique and so special. It makes tight ends that much more valuable. Let me tell you how much that more valuable it is. Dallas Clark had 100 receptions last year. He hit the century mark. He hit the triple digits. And you know what that means? That means it's basically equivalent to 150 catches. Bottom line is there's no receiver in the league that's going to catch 150 balls. So point for point, Dallas Clark's the most valuable player here uh, with 150 receptions. Now, can he, can he duplicate the touchdown? Ten touchdowns last year. That's a lot of touchdowns for a, for a tight end. And uh, he's a, he's a, he's a red, red zone weapon for Peyton Manning. So you can see how that can continue uh, for Dallas Clark. It wouldn't be surprising at all for him to hit 100 receptions and double digits again because he's just that big of a part of the offense for Peyton Manning. Uh, Leroy backs it up with Randy Moss, kind of a little bit old in the legs there. We'll talk about him here in a little bit. Very uh, high upside with, uh, with Tom Brady. Of course, Wes Welker's out for a while. And so you know that Randy Moss is going to get his, but he is getting up there. He, what is he, 38 now or something? I mean, <laughs> yeah, 36. The guy keeps aging, and he keeps playing well. I mean, he's a, he's a top-receiving weapon still in the NFL, and there's no doubt about it. Uh, he should be off the board in these first 15 or so picks, and, and he's off the board at 13. So, real Leroy uh, pairs up Dallas Park with Randy Moss and abandons the running back strategy. We'll have to see how that pans out for him. Um We've also got Brandon Marshall and Richard Mendenhall off the board. We're 15 picks in here, ladies and gents, and uh, the wide receivers are running off the board like crazy. I'm going to go ahead and update my sheet real quick, if you don't mind. We've got uh, Fantasy Taz in the house. Jim Day, welcome to Red vs. Blue. Feel free to give us a call, 347-324-5404. We'll need all the help we can get tonight. Richard Mendenhall is off the board to 4D. What an absolute steal to pair with Reggie Wayne. Fantastic pairing there, Rashard Mendenhall and Reggie Wayne from the 10 hole. So it's a heck of a start for 4D, Mike. Uh, way to go. Brandon Marshall off the board. New surroundings in Miami. We're going to have to find out how that shakes out for Chad Henney. The kid's got a strong arm. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if uh, if Chef Paul gets rewarded with Brandon Marshall the way they were last year. Okay, Team Legacy, we're on the clock here. Deshaun Jackson is off the board as well. We're going to mark him off the board. Running back early, I'm looking at the other running backs. Michael Turner's out there, Cedric Benson, D'Angelo Williams, Jamal Charles, none of these guys uh, I'm, I'm really feeling like are the, are the right fit for our team because of future plans here coming up. Uh, and I don't want to be chasing any position here at this point. I mean, I'm at, I'm at the eighth spot, so there's another 16 picks here uh, coming around the turn. I want to make sure that I get my wide receiver. So I'm going to go to the wide receiver rankings here, and there's a guy that I like that I just don't want to turn away. Um, here we go. This is him right here. I, I like I like both these guys. We got Vincent Jackson and Roddy White, two guys that I'm that I'm looking at. Let me make sure I see these bye weeks here and see how they contradict with some other guys that I've got on my radar. Okay, not too shabby. Roddy White, Vincent Jackson. I've got Matt Ryan. I've got Philip Rivers. Vincent Jackson is still not signed, but I love what this kid brings to the table. Uh, and the running game is still suspect. So we're going to go ahead and take Vincent Jackson, maybe a little bit earlier than what most people would, but Team Legacy, we like him here at Red versus the Blue. So I'm going to go ahead and put Vincent Jackson in the books with Frank Gore, and we're going to put his bye week at week number 10. All right. 
Let me update this board here. I've got three or four boards open. Sports betting man said Bolden. Go Bolden. A lot of questions there. Obviously, uh, Bolden has the injury his, history. Great target for Joe Flacco, Lance. I definitely don't disagree with the with the possibility of Bolden. Uh, and, you know, somebody's still going to get in. There's a lot of great talents out here. Colston, Steve Smith, Greg Jennings, Roddy White. You can't really go wrong with these guys. Uh, every one of them has uh, a tremendous amount of um, value, and they're, 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 they're pretty sure things in the offense. I went with somebody that I felt was pretty safe. You've got a running game that we don't know how Ryan Matthews is going to do. You can't pin your hopes on Ryan Matthews. You may like him. You may like him, but you can't pin your hopes on him. You have to let him ease his way into the offense to see what kind of player he is. This is Philip Rivers' team. Make no mistake about it. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to take a look um, and, and see uh, what Vincent Jackson is capable of. Smokey's doghouse is on the clock with 30 seconds to go. He's, he's thinking about what he's going to do here. Let's go ahead and take a look and a peek at Smokey's doghouse with, with where he started off this draft. He started off the draft with two wide receivers now, Austin Miles, or I'm sorry, Miles Austin and Roddy White. So he's going wide receiver heavy. Wide receivers are coming off the board in droves. In droves. Let's go ahead and pull it up here. We've got a draft script we can take a look at. Look at these wide receivers. Look at the turn. There's one, two, one, two, uh, three teams right there in the first round so far that have not taken a running back in their first two picks. Three teams in the first two rounds that have not taken a running back in their first two picks. And I think I just closed my transfer. That's not a good thing. So we're going to go ahead and open this back up real quick. Give me uh, give me a little bit of patience here. We'll, we'll play a little song for you while I get my uh, while I get my song up. If you uh, if you guys know who this is, give us a holler on the chat room. Shook like Randy Moss and Jason Perhaps over but numerals Don't fit in y'all's equation If your opinions coincide with that You ought to save them Cause the quote The greatest southern rapper Fuck it period Negative spirits They only keep you down A myriad of Satan substances In my system Still my wisdom Is never once compromised That's between God and I Never once forgotten my manners Cause my mama Played in public housing Over like a Alabama But she had a different plan for Russ and Ginger, thank the Lord for sending matches. Pop, they must remember how you held it down. All right, we're back from Red versus Blue. We uh, were taking a little bit of heat for that Vincent Jackson pick, but that's okay. 
Um, you know, it's nice to have a nice little controversial pick. The, the real story here is the tight end running again. We're talking about the Fantasy Football Players Championship rules. We have four more tight ends off the board after Dallas Clark, Jason Witten, Vernon Davis, Antonio Gates, and Jermichael Finley. Again, it's happening. The run on tight ends is happening right in front of our very eyes. Marquez Colston, Greg Jennings, and Sidney Rice are awful, also off the board. Steve Smith and Roddy White. So it's, it's looking like uh, tight ends are uh, – this is the wild, wild west when it comes to tight ends. D'Angelo Williams is off the board. We're really moving here. These guys know their stuff. They know their business. D'Angelo Williams is a running back for War Kittens now off the board. You can follow this action on these graph rooms. We're going to take a caller from the 908. 908, you're with Red versus Blue. Hey, Scott, it's Taz. How you doing? Hey, buddy, this is Jim Day, Taz, Fantasy Taz. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I hear somebody's out there drafting, and I'm not involved. i got to get involved. Well, do you have the links to the chat room? If not, I can put them, put them in the chat room here so you can uh, see what's up. I'm actually following the draft already on Mock Draft Central, and, and I'm in the chat room. All right. Well, Tommy Yates just went ahead and killed a little dream of mine there to get uh, Anquan Bolden. He just took him at 3-5. Uh, we're waiting for 3-6, and then we'll be up at 3-8. Now, we started the draft with Frank Gore and Vincent Jackson. Taz, tell me a little bit about this Vincent Jackson pick. There's, there's several haters in the chat room. Tell me that I, they could get him in a couple rounds later. Well, there's a concern that he may be suspended. He might, you know, might fight a couple games suspension to start the year, and you know that's got to put a little bit of hesitation in to grab him that early in the second round. You know, I don't know if you get him a couple rounds later, but you probably could have gotten him in the third. Well, if we could have gotten him in the third, there might have been uh, a little bit of love here for um, maybe another another wide receiver like a Roddy White or something. I could have paired it up, but my goal was to get a, another running back here, two two running backs in the first three rounds, and only one went off the clock. So I think I'm a little pretty fortunate here for just kind of how it worked out. It might not have been the widest decision at two, but only one running back came off the board. So I'm, I'm sitting here between Jamal Charles and Pierre Thomas. Now, Pierre Thomas, we like the, uh, the upside here because of, I mean, he was banged up all year, and now, you know, he doesn't have as much competition with Mike Bell stealing those touchdowns. What are they going to do here uh, inside the red zone? Well, that, that's definitely the uh, the question of the day, and and I'm I'm not a, as huge a fan on Pierre Thomas. I mean, the team absolutely doesn't seem to be really committing to him yet. Haven't signed him yet. Ha- haven't really done anything with him as far as signing him long term. So there, there's some hesitation there on whether they want to go forward. But then you know they go the other way and don't pick up a back in the draft. So you have to figure he's he's solid for the year. Uh, but I you know I like Jamal Charles a ton in in, in this uh, format and. You know, I know people are hesitant because they brought in Thomas Jones and now they have Dexter McCluster, uh, but I, I really don't see either of those guys really taking a big bite out of Jamal Charles this year. Uh, Jones doesn't run very well behind a, 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 a shoddy offensive line. He runs great with great offensive lines, but if you put you know some, some bodies in front of him, he doesn't really get through them all that well. So I don't see him taking a ton out of Charles, just my opinion. Well, good, Jim. I appreciate that, and and, and we win Jamal Charles. It's a uh, it's, it's a pick that we that we definitely could get behind. I've seen him go as high in some of these uh, in in one of these early satellites right there at the beginning of the second round. I mean, you either uh, there's some people that are fearless about Jamal Charles. I think is the word. Some people are are not worried at all about what Thomas Jones is going to do. And of course, you know, look, it's going to keep him fresh, right? You can't you, Jamal Charles with the size of this kid. He, it's not somebody that. That you can just pound down and wear out. You've got to have somebody in there to help him out. I think Thomas Jones 
is going to make him a, a better back, he able to, to be able to close games. I mean, Jamal Charles is, doesn't have the size to, to be a, a, ground, a grounded-out uh, type of kid. 5'11", less than 200 pounds. Uh, I think the coach uh, said, you know, last year, late in the season, that he's not going to be able to hold up. We're going to have to get him some help. And, man, you couldn't ask for a better complimentary back than somebody like Thomas Jones who's still playing at a high level. Oh, absolutely. Coming off a 1,400-yard year, you can't beat that with a stick. Um, so, you know, absolutely, I, I have to agree with you. I, I definitely think Charles is a good pick this year, and, and I'm still quite high on him. I know a lot of people well, aren't. Well, goes your first well, quarterback. That's right. I just wanted to mention that. The first quarterback off the board, Generation X, a big Jets fan for everybody out there. Uh, he starts off with Steven Jackson and Deshaun Jackson in the first two rounds, uh, and he's not he's not afraid here to take a quarterback. Uh, the run here, though, my, Jim, I don't know if you've played FFPC before or if you've heard about the format, but the tight ends have went like crazy. You've already got the big names, Dallas Clark, Witten, Davis, Gates, and Finley, off the board at the end of the second round. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, with the 1.5 points per reception, it really cranks up their value in these leagues. And I actually did the uh, pros versus Joes last year with the first oh, okay. format. Um uh, didn't do great, but didn't do bad either, somewhere in the middle of the pack. And, you know, it, it definitely learned me on how to draft in this format. Uh, you have to get those those real top tight ends early. So I, I can't fault any of these guys for doing that. 347-324-5404 is the number. We're here at Red vs. Blue uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. And uh, Jim Day, a.k.a. Taz, uh, is with us. Taz, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, uh, what you've got going on? I know you're all over the place. You're definitely uh, – a budding star here on Twitter that we all follow with all the updates. We appreciate those throughout the week. Talk to us about what uh, what kind of uh, adventures you've got going on. Well, actually, we've got quite a bit going on. I'm doing uh, multiple shows on BTR and uh, Fantasy Sports Channel each week. Uh, most notably, Wednesday nights, uh, I have the Fantasy Football Facts with Tony Sincata at 7, and then the Fantasy Exchange with uh, Joe Everett at 9. Um, and then uh, Saturday is the Twitter Fantasy Football Roundtable, which is just a, usually a group of four of us that just get on and discuss all the hot topics, and that's on uh, Saturday night at 10 on the Fantasy Sports Channel. So, you know, we're keeping it real that way. The, uh, my website is doing okay. We've got some changes in, in the work. So, you know, it's all busy time right now. It's all trying to get all this stuff ready for the next year. Well, we're, we're glad to have you with us, and, and, and feel free to stay with us as long as you'd like. We're going to be on live here for the next hour and a half. We're going to be broadcasting this FFPC Genesis Draft. We've already got a great chat room here. Uh, a lot of the regulars for Red versus Blue are here with us, and then some of the FFPC crew that are uh, wanting to get their first early crack at some ADP information. I'm going to go ahead and continue to keep posting the draft board there in the chat room, and you can, uh, you can just refresh that draft board. It's color-coded kind of shows where the positional runs are going on. The interesting thing here, Real Leroy on this end, he started off with Dallas Clark, had the guts to do it. And I was thinking about Dallas Clark, obviously, at this eight pick, if something didn't happen, because I really didn't want any part of Steven Jackson, and I wasn't going to be adventurous enough like Smokey here and take Miles Austin or anything like that. And, I, and I'm saying to myself, man, if it goes with the big four and Gore and then Andre and Fitz, I mean, and it really leaves you in a, in a tough spot at eight. I was really fortunate enough to get Gore, but Leroy had enough guts here to take Dallas Clark. Now he, he finishes off with Randy Moss and Steve Smith and Taz. I want I wanted to get your 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 your, uh, your opinion on this next pick, Javid Best. I kind of know who he's been talking to. Javid Best at four one, a rookie running back 
here at this high of a level, when you're talking about players that are proven out there, Leroy takes job at best. What do you think of that pick? Well, actually, you're asking me about a guy that I'm not high on. Javid Best is definitely an explosive runner. He's got good moves at the line of scrimmage, all the good things there. The one thing that's going to hurt him a ton is he can't block. He doesn't know how to block. He has no technique at it whatsoever. And the worst thing that a rookie running back has coming into the NFL is not having the ability to block. It's going to keep him off the field all the time. The team just can't allow Stafford to take hits. The running back isn't picking up. So I think that's going to actually hurt him a ton. Well, there's, a, there's, there's a, I guess, two schools of thought uh, on Javid Best. Obviously, the kid has enough size uh, to be a player in this league. The coaching staff was raving to get him. They traded up to get him. They, they traded up uh, into that pick uh, to, to take Javid Best. And, you know, he's got a lot of opportunity here, number one. Uh, number two, in a point-per-reception league, that always takes precedence. And, you know, he's taken ahead of Felix Jones and, and, and Chris Wells here, Beanie Wells, guys that, you know, aren't, uh, big parts of the passing game. Uh, well, Felix can be, but Wells definitely not as much. And and Javon Best is going to catch some balls. He's he's going to be a weapon out of the backfield. And when you've got a, a more complete offense here, uh, if, if if they trade it up into the first round, most of the time that says they want him. Now we'll we'll talk about Javon Best here in a minute. We're on the clock actually, and we need to make a pick here. So give me a give me a second, and um, let's see what our options here are. We're looking at um, my list here. We've got a minute to go on the clock. Wow. Okay. Well, you know what? This is an interesting situation where we're sitting here staring at Drew Brees in the face at 4-5. Normally, I don't think about quarterback this early because you're still Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, all these guys out here. Uh, we've already got a couple of running backs secured in Jamal Charles and Frank Gore. Feeling good about that. Uh, Tony Gonzalez is an option here because of a tight end issue. Obviously, it's nice to get a solid tight end. And with Matt Ryan healthy, you got to think that Tony Gonzalez is going to be a big, big part of that offense. What do you think about Tony Gonzalez here, Jim? Well, I like Gonzalez. He's a he's a good pick, but if I'm you, I'm looking at the best wide receiver on the board right now. Uh, with, you know, Jackson as your first pick, if you're looking at any type of suspension at all, right now is the time to try and correct it and get another wide receiver that's really solid. But that, you know, without having being able to see exactly who's left, it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, because Crabtree, Sims Walker, not really getting excited about those guys. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and secure my top elite tight end before it gets too late. you got to have one of those big gun tight ends that you can count on week in and week out. And, and look, there's no signs of, of, of Tony Gonzalez slowing down. This guy's a, 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 you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer when he, when he makes it. I, I don't see any way about it. And, and look, Gonzalez got 83 catches in a, in a league with Matt Ryan being injured you know, a big chunk of the year. How many, how many games was Ryan out? I mean, and still he pulled, puts up 83 catches? I mean, the sky's the limit with Gonzo. I mean, there's no doubt about it that he can be just as good uh, as those those first five, uh, you know, guys that were off the board. Look, Gonzo, uh, Matt Ryan missed three full games this year, and he still put up 83. So, I mean, I don't know what he put up in those in those weeks, but it's worth looking into. No, it, you know, it, it, you can't go wrong with Gonzalez. Uh, you know, there's another tight end out there that had a spectacular year last year and actually played very well in the two games he got with the new QB uh, in Brent Selleck. But, uh, I mean, I couldn't fault you, and I don't think anybody could fault you for going Gonzalez. But uh, Selleck is another guy that's still out there that, that would be a top pick for me. Well, I'll go ahead and correct that. I'm looking at the three games that Matt Ryan was out. He was still as dominant as ever. Matter of fact, they might have leaned on him a little bit harder. 
against Tampa Bay, nine catches, 83 yards. Against Philly, eight catches, 72. Against New Orleans, six for 50. He meant, he meant even more to his offense when Matt Ryan went out. So it didn't really affect him that much. Um, but the reasoning is still sound. Tony Gonzalez can still compete with any of those guys in the top five. And, and Jim, if you're, if you're here looking at the, at, you know, and thinking about what, what the tight ends are going to be at the, at the end of the year, it wouldn't surprise you to see Tony Gonzalez top three again. Oh, no, absolutely not. I, I mean, we're talking about one of the premier tight ends in the game, uh, no doubt. I mean, so, yeah, it's absolutely posi- possible he ends up top three. I mean, you know, when push comes to shove, there's no reason he couldn't end up top one. So, it, you know, it, it it can definitely fly that way. There's no doubt about it. It's not a bad pick at all. You're listening to Jim Day and Scott Atkins here at Red vs. Blue uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. We're doing a, um, a special sneak peek into the uh, the world of the FFPC. It's a live draft. We're, we're providing live play-by-play coverage of the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship Genesis Draft. It's the first draft of the year to kick things off here at the FFPC. We're April 29th, Thursday, April 29th. We've got about another hour and a half on the show, and uh, we're, we're with Jim Day here. Jim, Jim pops in to help us out because uh, we're, we're flying solo tonight. I'm trying to draft, so uh, I know it would be kind of raggedy if I didn't have a little bit of help here to help offset. And, and Jim, you mentioned Brent Selleck. He came right off the board. He's got a new quarterback in Kevin Cobb. Brent Selleck comes off, and he's one of the top seven tight ends off the board. I think you like that pick. Oh, absolutely love that pick. Uh, Cobb is definitely going to be leaning on Selleck a ton this year until he fully gets his rhythm going. So I, I definitely look for Selleck to have another top year. Alex uh, Kaganowski's in the chat room, uh, one of the founders of the FFPC. He's saying that he would have taken a quarterback over Gonzo there. But, again, uh, the tight end position is something you just absolutely cannot ignore. Now, could you get a Winslow later? Can you get an Olsen? Can you get a Zach Miller? Uh, you can, absolutely. And, and those are guys that, you know, on offenses that you just never know. I, I tell you, I, I watched Winslow, and he had a great year, I mean, for, um, you know, what a lot of folks were expecting. I remember sitting in Vegas for the World Championship. I drafted him there, and I drafted him in the NF, or in the FFPC as well. And there were games where he'd be sitting on one catch for the entire game. And then all of a sudden, they'd start going to him three, four, five times in a row. And I'm like, okay, he'd end up with a six catch for 70-yard day and a touchdown. And it, it, he, he was just one of those players that you'd be so nervous about watching him as we play, it's, it's hard to draft a guy like that. And that in that type of offense when they were so poor, now you have Josh Freeman coming in and helping things out. You've got some big wide receivers and a really been in Mike um, – what is his name? Mike Williams coming in, big Mike Williams. So, you know, Tampa should be a little bit better with those additions. And they also picked up um, the uh, the other wide receiver, Reggie Brown. I don't know how he's going to fit into the game. But uh, what do you think about Tampa improving things and is Winslow uh, still a safe option? Um, I, I think Winslow is pretty much the only safe option right now until these other receivers uh, really, you know, straighten things out. Uh, we don't know how Sammy Strouder is going to fall in that offense now, uh, which guy is actually going to step up and be the number one. So, uh, you know, I think Winslow is definitely a, a, a solid pick. There's no doubt about it because he's definitely going to get a few targets every game all the time. It's neat to see the strategies. Uh, we're talking with Jim Day, Fantasy Taz uh, on Red versus Blue here. And we're we're drafting in the FFPC Genesis draft. It's interesting to see the strategies. You know, we've got we've got several teams going three running backs and two wide receivers. We've got we've got teams. Uh, no team has taken two tight ends. That's interesting to see. I, I didn't think we'd see that. You've got one team that right now has a quarterback and a tight end. That's Corks or Quan, Peyton Manning, Antonio Gates. He's got Adrian Peterson and Matt Forte. Greg Jennings. Uh, I know a lot of us aren't as high on Matt Forte anymore, uh, Jim. It's just. Uh, 
This guy, I don't know what happens with Chester Taylor coming into the backfield. Uh, Chester, Matt Forte is off the board at 5-2. What do you think of that pick? I think it's a little early for Forte. Um, he's going to—he's definitely losing touches, and no doubt about it. Uh, Chester Taylor is, in my opinion, a, a better back at, as far as running the game, uh, running game goes. And I think he's going to uh, see a lot of touches in this game. I think Forte's value took a huge hit. I would have waited on him a little bit longer if, if you really wanted to get him and uh, gone with the. There's actually quite a few other guys I would have went for in front of him. All right, I'm going to update my draft board. And, Jim, give us give us somebody that you're uh, you're thinking about this year that, that uh, you know, I don't know if you have some early indications here. Uh, look, Tom Brady and Tony Romo are now off the board. Uh, so it didn't take long. Uh, Drew Brees is already off the board. So there is a, wide, a quarterback here. If we take Phillip Rivers, uh, what do you think? I know you're worried about this wide receiver position because I've only got Vincent Jackson, one wide receiver. But let me tell you the names that are here. Braylon Edwards, Pierre Garçon, Donald Driver, Percy Harvin, Dwayne Bowe. Mike Wallace, Hoos, Edelman, Holmes, Heinz Ward, Nick Macklin. I mean, none of these guys are really going to light up your draft board. No, I, so, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, you're in the, the, the middle realms now that they're pretty much interchangeable. Um, so if you really wanted to secure a top quarterback here, then now would be a good time to do it. Well, and I think we're going to be fortunate enough to do so because uh, the, the the player before us took Drew Brees, and yep, sure enough, Dean Thompson goes ahead and secures his tight end in Owen Daniels. So I could have had Philip Rivers, Owen Daniels. Instead, I get Tony Gonzalez, Philip Rivers. I still end up with Philip Rivers. So we're going to go ahead and secure our our, our quarterback, and and we're going to chase wide receivers for the rest of the draft. I guess. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, you know. We've secured the quarterback and the tight end. We're pretty happy about that. Alex Kaganowski calling Philip Rivers at five eight an absolute gift. Uh, now, but the concern is about Vincent Jackson. Jim, you mentioned the suspension. Um, I mean, I know we've, we've, we've seen great things out of Roger Goodell, the commissioner. He, he's, he's definitely put a hard line out here, and it's nice to see that, you know, player conduct is being approached in this way. I think it makes for a cleaner league and a, and a league that uh, takes this game as seriously as we do as fans of the addicts. But talk to me about, uh, do you know anything about that situation, or is it just rumor at this point? Well, it yeah, at this point it is basically just rumors, but there, you know he's got a, lot, a few things hanging over his head now. The DUI last year and uh, some new issues this year that I don't remember exact details of, but he, he's got a few things ho- hanging over his head right now, and, and you have to feel that with everything else Goodell is doing to, to do what you're saying, straighten up the league, that something's going to come down on, on Jackson because of all of this. So it's definitely it's a, a little bit of a touchy situation for me. But, you know, Rivers is going to throw whether he's in there or not. Um, and he's going to throw a, a bunch, and, you know, somebody's going to catch him. So I wouldn't really worry about Rivers' value so much because he's just going to throw. <laughs> let's go ahead uh, while Glenn X is still on the clock. Actually, he, he just went ahead and took Dwayne Bow. But let, let's go ahead and talk about uh, recovery boys. Tommy Yates here. Uh, I like the value that he got. He he neglected running back for the first three rounds, Jim, and he comes in and still scores no Sean Moreno at 4-8 and then comes back with Joseph Adai at 5-5, who I absolutely love in the fifth round. Here's a guy that does catch the ball out of the backfield. He does get undervalued every single year. People are afraid of, of drafting Joseph Adai, and all he does is put up a top-10 year last year when they draft the rookie. What do you, what do you expect for Joseph Adai? Well, I like a guy. You know, he's a solid guy. He, you know, his yards per carry were, weren't 
wasn't that high last year. I do think we start to see a little bit more Donald Brown. Uh, he's, he was another guy who had some issues with blocking, and you know supposedly they've been working on it with him. So I think we're going to see him cut into it a little bit. But the die will get his touchdowns, and you know he'll get enough carries that he'll be worthwhile and a steady performer uh, pretty much week in and week out. So you can't really fault the pick. Well, no, I don't think you can either, Jim. Fifty catches on the year. I mean, this guy is yeah. used out of the ba- and three receiving touchdowns. I mean, this is that's that's how he's used. I mean, he can uh, they use him in the red zone for that. Uh, 219 carries still. Now, okay, you, he might come down a little bit, but, you know, maybe to 180 maybe or, or something like that. I, I don't see him going any lower than that, really. Uh, I mean, with the way they use that guy, there's no reason why you shouldn't. I mean, okay, they'll bring in Donald Brown and spell him a little bit and, and get him a little bit more involved. He might steal a touchdown or two here, so maybe the touchdown takes a little bit of a dip from 10. Uh, but he still had three receiving touchdowns and 51 catches, so that might take a dip as well if Donald Brown is, is out there. But in the fifth round, Man, you got to be pleased as punch to get it back with that packs as much punch as Joseph Adine. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but that you know that's normal range. You know, maybe fourth for a dive. He doesn't seem to get the respect that a lot of these other guys get, and you know, he, he does tend to to fall down. Now, Chef Paul just took a guy that I, I still like, even with all the injury histories in uh, Ronnie Brown. You know, because when he's on the field, he he's a PPR machine. He scores in so many different ways that I love having him on my team. Well, and look at the price he got to pay for him. I mean, again, if at the end of the fifth round, he had that tremendous knee injury again. I mean, I don't know how many this is for this poor guy. Um, over and over again, they continue it continues to happen. But they they pretty much neglected running back in the draft. So I don't know what that says. I mean, you still got Ricky Williams vulturing carries in the Wildcat, but. Ronnie Brown is the Wildcat, and, you know, they brought in Brandon Marshall to, to help that offense on that side of the ball. But uh, Ronnie Brown, I mean, if, if it, I, I don't know. He, he's coming off now another uh, – uh, uh, I think it was a foot injury, right, that they had this last time, and, and that's, a, that's an injury. The injury that he had there took, is going to take quite a while to recover from him, you know, maybe a year, they said. So I'm real scared of drafting Ronnie Brown. He's on my list of do not draft, actually. Oh, well, there you go. And there's a lot of people that feel that way, huh? And – you know, it could end up working that way, but I love his upside. And at that late in the draft, I would take the chance on him, too. Uh, when you look at some of the other guys out there, they don't have any chance of scoring what Ronnie Brown will score when he's on the field. So I, I well, definitely the upgrade, the up, uh, his value is just too high. Uh, and that's me. I mean, I've always been a fan of his, so take it for yeah. what it's worth. Well, no, you, I mean, you've got a valid point. I mean, fifth round, 5'11 for Ronnie Brown, a player that when he's healthy can be, you know, top five, top ten running back uh, the end of the fifth round. I don't I don't have a running back counter here, but that's, it looks like 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13, 15, 17, 20, 20, running back 24 for Ronnie Brown, okay? I think, I think like you said, uh, there comes a point in time that do not draft becomes go ahead and draft. And at running back 24, I can see it now. Here's something interesting that just happened for all the, the listeners at home. We've got a great chat room going on right now, 347-324-5404. Feel free to call us up and, you know, talk uh, talk about your draft. You, you Dennis' drafters, feel free to call us up and join Jim and I. But uh, Ray Leroy, who had a controversial pick with John Best, has backed that up in the fifth round with another controversial pick in C.J. Spiller, two rookies. That's a pretty risky strategy. I mean, we're not playing dynasty here, but these are two guys that can contribute right away. Well, they're definitely set up to contribute, there's no doubt. Um, right. You know, I mean, the, 
they need to get Spiller involved in the, in the game up there, but he's not going to be in every down back. So you got to hope that his uh, explosiveness will get you enough fantasy points to carry you. Um, and then he backs those two rookies up with Jerome Harrison, possibly the one place where I thought he should have gone rookie again and gone with Montario Hardesty because I think Hardesty is going to end up being the number one in Cleveland. So we'll see. I mean, this is what this part time of the year is all about. It's all, you know, supposition and, and what we think is going to happen. So you either bet right or you bet wrong. Well, or you bet safe, you know. So sometimes you can just bet safe. And, uh, I mean, he's swinging for the fences here. And to beat a crew like this uh, and, and a crowd of drafters like this, sometimes you have to do that. You're asking for a for a lot. Uh, a lot of things to go right by taking Javi Best and C.J. Spiller and, and Jerome Harrison. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that have to go right. And you know, I was I was commenting on a uh, draft I just saw over at the World Championship, and and they had Jerome. Somebody took Jerome Harrison before Tom Brady, and I said, "What world are we living in?" You know, this is this is fantasy football, not the NFL. So I understand the concept, but what world are we living in when Jerome Harrison goes before Tom Brady? I mean, do you have that much faith in a Jerome Harrison? I know you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, he's not a bad runner, but he's not an every down back. There's no way he can maintain getting the you know 30 touches a game, and that's why they brought in Hardesty. And Hardesty's going to be the guy that picks up that slack. Harrison's going to go back to being a change of pace guy, um, oh. and, and that's where he's more effective. So I, I don't think I like him that early. Oh wait, wait. There's a, there was an error. There was an error. That was not a Jerome Harrison pick. Uh, Jerome Harrison was an accident. It was not meant to be Jerome Harrison. Okay, he goes oh, ahead and picks okay. up Heinz Ward. So a uh, little bit of a little bit of a safer option there in the sixth round with Heinz Ward, followed by Julian Edelman and Zach Miller. Kellen Winslow off the board. You got four players there, Jim: Heinz Ward, Julian Edelman, Zach Miller, Kellen Winslow. Take your pick. We're on the clock. Um, I, I like them all. Actually, I think they'll all produce in this. Uh... In this scheme, I, I mean, Edelman should step right into the Welker role until Welker's ready, and uh, that definitely means a lot of, you know, receptions for him. Zach Miller is, you know, with Campbell there, Zach Miller is definitely taking a huge increase in value for me. Uh, Kellen Winslow, we talked about him earlier. He's just a steady guy. He's going to do it every time, and, you know, you you got to love the, the fact that, you know, until they figure out who their wide receiver core is, Winslow is always going to be the steady guy there. So I think those two tight ends are great value in this scoring system in the sixth round. Edelman is definitely a chancier pick, but definitely a pick with high upside. And then Heinz Ward, he's just Mr. Steady. And now with Holmes out of there, I think we're going to see Heinz Ward increase his numbers once again. And this is, you know, after coming off a very steady year last year. So I like uh, I like all four of those picks. A lot of ways and directions we can go, uh, and we're, we're going to go ahead and take a, a safe Indianapolis player who we really like what we saw the second half of the season, Taz. Uh, I'm taking Pierre Garçon as a safety net here for that Vincent Jackson situation. Now, some people might not say that's a safe pick, but what I saw from Pierre Garçon was a player that Peyton Manning targeted early and often, and he's definitely a wide receiver too. We had this discussion with a friend of mine the other night, uh, I said at first, I said, you know, he's a safe wide receiver three, absolutely, but is he a safe wide receiver two? And when you look at the numbers, uh, the, the type of production that he got in that second half of the season was just tremendous. Peyton really started to look to him. If you look at week nine on, uh, you know, five for 60, three for 50 and a touchdown, six for 108, five for 60 and a touchdown, six for 136, and then they started benching their players. 
against Jacksonville, the Jets, Buffalo. But look at the playoff run that Garcon had. Five for 34, 11 for 151 and a touchdown against the Jets, and five for 66 and a touchdown against the, against the eventual Super Bowl champs, the Saints. Uh, what do you think about my Garcon pick there? I actually love, love Garcon. I wasn't a, a huge fan last year going into the season. Uh, I was big on Austin Collie even uh, just after the draft. I thought he was an excellent pick. Uh, but Garcon, you know, once I really sat down and watched him play, I really like what he brings to the table. He's not afraid to attack the ball. He's very good with the ball in his hands. He gets, you know, a real solid uh, yak, yards after catch. And I just think this kid is going to settle into that number two role and, and not look back. I look for good things for him this year. I think he's a very solid pick. Man, Jim, I'm really glad you uh, you joined us tonight. You're, we're listening to uh, Jim Day, Fantasy Taz. Go ahead and give us the website because I know you got a lot of great things going on at that website. I, I thought it was a fantastically uh, a well-designed site from, from when I looked at it the other day. Well, thanks, Scott. It's actually FantasyFootballWiz.com, and that's actually W-H-I-Z for the Wiz. Uh, my partner is a, a Philly cheesehead and, uh, from the old Wiz, Cheese Whiz days, so uh, just don't ask. It was a long conversation, but it's FantasyFootballWiz.com. Uh, we're actually in the middle right now making some, uh, some changes to the website, so we're hoping to have some real good things out, uh, hopefully by mid-May. Well, we're, we're looking forward to checking it out. We are going to take uh, – we've got a caller from the 937. We're going to take right after this Fantasy Football Whiz sponsored break. So we'll be right back. This is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins in the Red vs. Blue Crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. 
guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. And welcome back to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. You're listening to live play-by-play coverage of the FFPC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship Genesis Draft. It's the first draft of the season for us fantasy addicts here at the FFPC. We're already into round seven. Recovery Boys Tommy Yates is on the clock at 7-5. He just put in Matt Schaub uh, with his last pick, so you think he's got to go running back or wide receiver here. We've also got Jim Day, Fantasy Taz, of FantasyFootballWiz.com. And, Jim, uh, we've, we've got some interesting picks here. Jerome Harrison is now off the board. We're two picks away here at Red versus Blue. Uh, so we've got a couple of uh, couple of options still here. Uh, but we did show up our number two wide receiver. And so we're probably looking to, to grab a, a number three wide receiver here considering the, the, the issues and the questions that are apparent with uh, Vincent Jackson. But talk to me about Santonio Holmes and the situation that he's in. Well, you know, again, now you're talking about a guy you got to wait, uh, you know, more than a quarter of a season for him to do anything. Uh, I wouldn't look at him here at this point. He, he just lost a ton of value not being there uh, in the early part of the season. So uh, I would definitely stay away from Holmes at this point. So the other options are Cotchery, Owens, Dez Bryant, Austin Collie, Kevin Walter, Devin Hester, Perry and Beth, Bryant, Cribs, Roy Williams. I mean, look, there's just nothing nothing here that has really given me uh, some uh, some safety net here. So I, if, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to pass on wide receiver and move on because I don't see a need at present. Uh, Wes Welker's likely out for a while. I don't see, I don't see me taking him. Uh, you know, just not not a lot there. Well, you know, I mean, a, a guy that, that's still a, a pretty decent pick is uh, is Donald Driver. I mean, I know he's he's getting up there in age, but I mean, this is a guy that you know just under a thousand yards and you know six touchdowns last year. It's not not huge, but it, it's not bad either. Um, he, he's gone. He's Driver's gone. Somebody, uh, totally somebody, yeah, yeah. We're on the no, clock I, here. Uh, let's go ahead and take this call from nine three seven nine three seven. Kick us off. Scott, it's Rich. How are you doing? Hey, Rich Cocracker, we're on the clock here with a minute to go. What do you think about uh, Santonio Holmes here? It just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense, huh? I can't picture taking him this early when you know he's going to miss a quarter of the season. I, I admit you probably have a cheat sheet in front of you, and I don't. I'm not sure what your other choices are, but I, I can't picture taking Holmes here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely a tough situation for sure. Looking at the options that are around here, let's go ahead and keep moving down here to the tight ends because again you can't pick somebody. Pick somebody good, ends. Scott. Pick somebody good. Well, there's a, another tight end out there I really like because of what mm-hmm. happened. Heath Miller, I think, is going to have a solid year even with Roth uh, being benched. I I think they're still going to get the ball to him a ton. Um, so I like him a ton. Uh, there's a I know this another at least guy you know John Carlson I think has a better comeback year. Um, Vizante Shanko, I mean, that, a lot of that rests on whether or not you believe Favre is coming back. Um, not too many others I would take here as far as tight ends. Uh, maybe Chris Cooley, um, 
Um, he should be back and healthy. He went went down early enough. Uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, I thought I saw that both uh, Cooley and Shenko are gone, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, the the, oh, the, the the tight ends, the crew Cooley and Shenko had went right around that turn, oh, making did. it very difficult. Oh, making sorry, it very guys. difficult. I look at all the different sites at once. So oh, yeah. Hard to, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I went ahead. I went ahead and swung for the fences all, uh, with, with uh, against the better judgment from the crew here uh, on the line with Antonio Holmes. Uh, being well, you a little know, bit of a you know what else hurts Holmes in the long run is is that he is in fact on a team that you know will run the ball probably the most in the league. Yeah. So even when he comes back, the chances you know they just don't throw a ton. So I, I think ultimately, I think you know between that and the suspension, he's just a risky pick this year. Well, just to play devil's advocate, without Jones, with Jones gone, and with Green, as much as he looked uh, great in the playoffs and, you know, seemed like he's just going to take the ball and go from there, but he's never done it for a year. He's never done it for more than four games. In one sense, with the receivers they've added and the way the Jets have played with the team, you you could almost make the argument that, Maybe they're going to end up passing way more than we think, and it, 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 you know I don't I'm not sure I believe that, but I I can see that that could happen with the way the team is shaping up. Ooh, I I'd, I'd be hard pressed to to think that is going to be. I mean, it absolutely could, but Rex Ryan he, he's a grounded up out type of guy. He he wants to ground that ball down, and you know I mean as evidenced by them going out and getting two more running backs so they fill that position. You know, Joe Connor. I mean, he's going to be a beast of a fullback. Uh, you know, once, once he gets in the, in the, into the game, and you know, Joe McKnight is no slouch. So I, I don't. I, I it can happen. I just don't see it happening that way. I think the Jets still run a ton this year. Well, we uh, we, we definitely have a, a lot to look forward to as Jets fans uh, with the season. Come high expectations for this team and. And Jets fans know all about the letdown, so we'll, we'll see if they can live up to, uh, you know, half the expectation. Obviously, the, the expectation here is is a division title uh, against the Patriots would be a would be a huge uh, step forward for this organization that was in the championship game last year. Kind of kind of found a way in somehow that really wasn't expected by any means, and they did find their way. They they played through it. I mean, the win against San Diego was a was a win that showed that Rex Ryan. Is here to stay in this league, and, and so we'll, we'll we'll see what he's all about this year. But they made all the moves you could possibly ask for in the off season. You got Revis Island on one side of the field. You bring in Cromartie, and then you draft the rookie in the first round. You've got the left side of the field, so now it really allows your linebackers and your ends to really come and do all kinds of things on that uh, against that old line and quarterback. They're going to have so much fun. They're going to be peeing off on some quarterbacks. So. Uh, the Jets' defense is going to be one to watch this year. Talk about what uh, what you just saw here. You t- saw Real Leroy take Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, again, kind of the conventional thinking, kind of like what I had there with Antonio Holmes. You're missing out on, you know, four games or so or even six here with Ben Roethlisberger, but what you're getting in the second half of the season is going is to make up for it. Well, you hope, I, you. Yeah, you hope he's not coming back rusty. That's a long time to be sitting on the sideline. He can't work with the team through that whole – you know, section of the season. So you hope he doesn't come back rusty. Scott, do you, do you guys tell me, oh, you guys tell me if you think I'm wrong. Watching this draft so far, just talking about the draft in general, the, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is just risk. 
I can't believe, you know, in, in prior years, just go back one year, two years, three years, the risk that's being taken by multiple teams, whether it's Roethlisberger or you taking Holmes or someone, uh, I'm looking at the grid now, taking uh, Owen Daniels in five, that he's going to be fine and there's no problem. And that, that's uh, Team Thompson, who also took Moss, uh, Santana Moss. Is he going to really be there or not? There, it, it seems to me that the, the theme of this whole draft is risk. People are taking risks on all sorts of players that might be great or they also might be terrible. What do you guys think? I think that's something uh, just from an outside, from a perspective here of, of being in the draft and also being in the World Championship and the FFPC every year and the NFFC, that's what I see every single year, Rich. I see risk being taken all across these rooms, and it's not safe drafters. They're, they're, they're trying to win 300000 Now, obviously, this is not one of those leagues where you're, where you're trying to hit jackpot here at the end of the, at the, end of the road. But uh, I, I, think, I think we see that every year, Jim, in these leagues. These drafters aren't looking at the conventional cheat sheets. They fill out their own – they make their own opinions, and they go after their guys. Well, we just lost a couple of picks, guys. Back to those picks we just talked about with Fred Jackson. All of a sudden, just went off the board. I'm not sure what's going on. Oh, yep, yep. Real Roy again. <laughs> Real Roy with another – let me go out with my sound effects here. What a – What's going on, Roy? Yeah, another. That was good. Uh, we always, we always have the, um, we always have the, um, uh, the sound with, um, with Mike Trent here, our, our, our resident uh, Brandenburg, Kentucky co-host, and we bring in the buzzometer. When there's just too much drinking going on, come on, Roy, we got to talk here. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> The funny part of the whole thing was the pick he had, you know, Fred Jackson, I thought was an excellent pick, seeing as he took Spiller earlier. I thought that was a great pick, and it came back off the board, so have to find well, out what's going on there. And, and what's going to happen with Marshawn Lynch, guys? I mean, here's a guy that, you know, what, what, what's the deal with this guy? I mean, he, he's still out there, and, and, and nobody seems to, you know, want to touch him, but do you really think that he's going to be a Buffalo Bill when the season starts? There's got to be a team that needs this pick. I don't think he's going to be with the Bills when the season starts. You know, no, at, at no this point, no, nobody wanted him during the draft. Obviously, they couldn't get rid of him. But somebody's going to suffer an injury somewhere. They're going to need a guy. And, you know, he's still a young kid. He's still got plenty of time to mature. And if somebody gives him a chance, I think he could do it. I just don't think it's going to be in Buffalo. You know, ironically, you bring up uh, – you bring, you bring him up. I, I I was so thrilled a couple years ago when the Packers didn't take him. I'm a Packer fan. When the Packers didn't take him, and as early as I thought, and of course now Ryan Grant, uh, he went to Team Thompson in round three. You know he's not a great player, and but he's been he's been really good in the Packers system. And I, you know I I guess I can't say that Lynch might not have been as as good. But Lynch just has, you know, with his off-the-field antics and all the other stuff, it just seems like he's played himself out of being a star when I think he could have been a star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would all his off-the-field issues didn't help. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I think he had a chance to be somebody special. But, you know, his attitude, his work ethic, I think hurt him in the long run. 
I don't want to go and, and chase wide receivers here when I don't have to, but there's there's several guys that, that I'm looking at that, that have some interest here to me. Obviously, um, you look at what's going to happen in Denver, you, you, you've got to see somebody step up. Eddie Royal is a guy that, okay, he didn't look good. Uh, for some reason, McDaniels didn't use him like they did the year prior. Uh, with McDaniels coming in, they went a different direction. Maybe he didn't fit the offensive scheme. Another guy here that I, I'm looking at is Kenny Britt from, from Tennessee, but you know, what is Kenny Britt? Is he an every week in, uh, weekend type, week out type starter? Well, not yet. You can't see that from him yet. I just don't see that. I see talent, but I don't see week in, week out putting him in my lineup to see what he can do. I've got a rookie in Dez Bryant for Dallas that, you know, it's going to take him a little bit of while. You're competing with balls, uh, for balls with Witten and Miles Austin. And then a fourth guy I'd like to, to comment on, um, I just, I just lost him. Uh, oh, with Devin Thomas. Now, again, this is a guy that a lot of people are scared of, and he hasn't done anything in the league. But you've got Donovan McNabb really embracing this guy, and it's a swing for the fences type pick. Maybe a little too early for that, but talk about those other three. Well, I, I know I don't here. like Devin Thomas here. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, if I'm you, if I'm looking at that, that board, I, I may even be looking at Austin Colley. I know you already got Garcon, but, you know, I mean, you're talking about two guys on a pass-happy team, and, both of these guys produced fairly well last year. Um, I don't think either one, you know, one would be bad to have on your team. If you have both, I don't think that's a bad thing either. Uh, another guy that I think is up for a bump year is Steve Preston, um, who's still out there. I think he, he sees a huge bump this year. But Kenny Britta, you know, he didn't come into camp in great shape. As a matter of fact, the coach sat him down, uh, didn't let him practice because he wasn't in great shape. So that's got to worry you a little bit. You know, the, the team is already saying that, you know, he may not be the number one guy going forward. So you've you got to have some concerns with Kenny Britt. Um, so, you know, I mean, at this point, I, I think I'd let him fall a little bit. The team is really high on Damian Williams, and, you know, it, it, anything could shake out of that. Well, I, I, I agree. Have no of, I have no intentions of really going that direction, but uh... – I, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of guys here on the clock that that can be valuable in the right situation. Um, I, I'm looking at uh, running backs that I that I have on my mind. I don't want to really bring them out right now, um, but uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and go in a direction that that just just feels right to me. It, it feels like uh, they, they made a move for this guy. They feel like he's going to be a big part of the offense, and they use they're going to use him out of the backfield uh, in a dependable way. Uh, I'm looking for points per reception, and Leon Washington, I think, will bring that with Seattle. Again, not a guy that uh, that a lot of people have high on their board, but I don't want to miss a guy that I have targeted as a sleeper pick this year. I've had him on my board for a while. I've been watching him. I, I, I've been waiting for the right time, and I think, I think I need to make sure I get the guys that I want. I hate going into a draft and then taking value, hoping my guy falls, and then before you know it, I look at my team, and I'm like, these aren't the guys I wanted. I can't stand that strategy. You're always taking value, but they're not really the guys you have targeted, and then somebody else comes in and is thinking the same thing, and they scoop up those guys. Well, Leon Washington in the eighth round uh, should be the starter, it sounds like. Pete Carroll talking about him being the starter, maybe Lendale White being the bruiser. I don't know where the four set fits into the equation. I don't think he really does. I think Le- I think this is Leon Washington's team. He's really excited about this opportunity. You just got to hope he's back and healthy, and that's you know that's what the Jets were concerned about. So you got to hope that he comes back healthy. But if he does, then I agree with you. He, he's definitely a playmaker. If he doesn't lose his step, he's definitely a guy you can get some serious value with. Well, and you get the action scoring here in the FFPC. So if you get the returns or anything like that, you also get the touchdown. Rich, 
Leon Washington was moved from the Jets. You saw that, right? I mean, was that a financial move from what you've heard, or is that a is that a, that's what I that's what I was thinking? It was a financial move. They couldn't really you know afford the guy, and they can't afford a lot of the guys. They're gonna have a big big problem at the end of the year. You know what, Leon? I I gotta say this. You know, Paula and I have played as a team from day one. We loved Leon the last two years. It didn't work out. I, I think we drafted him everywhere last year, even though it didn't work out. Love Leon. I do think that, that you know, Leon uh, is one of the most unfortunate guys in the league. He, he, he had that injury at a point where, they, where he was trying to get a big contract, and that was his big chance to get a big contract. And I do think that actually him being traded helps in the sense that if he does come back and he is the same Leon, then then he would have a shot at another big contract with Seattle. But I hated I hated him getting hurt when he did. Uh, I know Rex Ryan, you know, at the very beginning said we're going to use him this way, and he's going to get this many touches. But that did not happen. And he's one of the guys in the league who I think not only was a great guy and not only flashed great talent, but I feel bad for him to have the injury when he did, and I hope he recovers. It's uh, Leon, Leon was a guy that uh, I always enjoyed watching as a Jets fan, and, and, and I always wanted to see him get his opportunity. It looked like he was getting an opportunity there when that, uh, when that injury occurred, and uh, Thomas Jones was the bell cow, obviously, but the kid, look, he, he was a pro bowler. Uh, they they wouldn't have traded him away unless they really thought that they could get the same type of player for a whole lot cheaper, and I think that's what they did with Joe McKnight. Joe McKnight brings uh, basically the same type of same type of game as Leon Washington, just a a little bit slimmer maybe, but uh, both both of them bring the same type of electric play. I, I really like the uh, the fact that in the SFBC you do get rewarded for those action scoring touchdowns, punt returns, and kick returns. There's nothing worse than having a guy. Uh, like Reggie Bush or something on your team, and then you see him score a touchdown, and you get absolutely goose egg for it. I love that rule here in in, uh, in the FFPC. But let, let me let me switch gears here, guys. I'm looking at some names on this draft board, and I want to get your thoughts, Jim, uh, first on this, and then you, Rich. But look at these names. Uh, I don't know if you guys play dynasty football at all. But That's all I play. Look at these names: McFadden. This is the ninth round. McFadden, Slayton, uh, LT, Marshawn Lynch. Portis, all these guys still on the board here. It's amazing how from one year to the next, the running back crop gets thrown up in the air, and they all and half of them fall on their faces. Well, and that's just how it's going to be. You know, a lot of guys, it's blocking, and a lot of guys just don't seem to, you know, make it to the next level. McFadden, I think, is one of those second guys. He, every time I saw him last year, he was back there skipping and hopping from foot to foot instead of making a clear-cut decision to move into a hole, and, and I think that hurt him a ton. If he doesn't get over that quickly this year, I think you're going to see a lot of Michael Bush and a lot less Darren McFadden. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, keep, keep that quiet, Jim. Keep that quiet. <laughs> Don't ruin my surprise here. Don't ruin my surprise. You know, Lee Evans, Rich, is the guy that I was looking at this last round. When I took Lee on, I really considered Lee Evans because, again, back he's back in the role. Of this is the guy that went from number one or from number two, get behind Taylor's price, up to a number one, didn't really do much, comes down with Terrell, back to a number two, and now he's back to a number I don't think I've ever seen this happen, 2-1-2-1 two, one, two, one like this. Lee Evans back to the number one receiving option in Buffalo. They just don't have anybody to throw in the ball, Rich. I, my problem with Evans is, and and we've drafted him a couple times over the last a few years, 
is he's hit or miss. If he is a traditional, he was, I, I can't say that he is now, he was a traditional deep threat. And when he had his biggest years, it was because uh, every other game he was catching a 50 or a 60 or a 70-yard touchdown pass. And the only, the only, the problem I have with Evans is just that he's he's like the guy, he's like the quarterback, he's like Alex Smith in a way. He's never had the same offensive coordinator for an extended period of time. He's never been in the same system. He's always been told to do different things. He plays for a cold weather team, even though he's a deep receiver. When I when I look at it all, I think to myself. For example, I, I guess the weather thing isn't a big deal. If Evans had been with the Packers or with another team that was really pass-oriented and had a decent line to give the quarterback a, a, a chance to throw, he, he could have been an unbelievable talent. But every other year, because of the inconsistencies in Buffalo, he seems to un- underperform. I don't think it's his fault. I think it's because he's often been the only threat they had. Well, I don't know what to make of Lee Evans. Uh, the Wisconsin kid got a lot of speed. He's been he's been there before. I think uh, what I decided to do here was go with Devin Hester, uh, a guy who's getting a, another crack at being a number one uh, wide receiver. Look, we all thought that they were going to address wide receiver in the draft or, or something, but you know here we go again with with a Mike Martz offense in Chicago and Lovey Smith putting them together here on the same field. Uh, one gets offense, one gets defense, and and look. Devin Hester's another year under his belt with Jay Cutler. Maybe they can find ways. There were plenty of times that Jay Cutler was there or, or Devin Hester was there and, and Cutler wasn't really firing on all cylinders. That, that offensive line needed help. Did they, I didn't really pay a lot of attention, Jim. Did they address offensive line? Because poor Cutler, he got all he got ripped all year round. But they, that offensive line gave him no time to throw all year. I felt so sorry for him. Yeah, and they, they didn't do a ton to, to help uh, in the draft either. So it, it's uh, it's still going to be an issue for them, um, you know. I it was definitely a question mark for me of why they didn't, but they didn't. Um, so you know maybe they're still looking to make some some late season, you know, uh, off season, but late off season moves to pick up some vets to to fill those holes. But you know, I mean, they, they took one uh, one offensive lineman in the draft that was in the seventh round with Jamarcus Webb, and you know, I mean. He's a, a big guy, and you know, he, he's a project. There's no other way to say it. So I don't think they helped their offensive line out a ton. It was kind of interesting to see how Aroma Shadu went so much earlier than Devin Hester in this draft. Uh, Aroma Shadu went with the last pick of the seventh round, and you know, uh, Devin Hester goes in the, in the middle of the in the middle of the night, two rounds later. I mean, is Aroma Shadu did he did he show us enough? with some of those big plays that he and Cutler connected with to, to be the number one wide receiver in Chicago? Well, I know that Cutler loves him, and Cutler was, you know, all of the things came out at the end of the season that Cutler was, you know, bagging on the coaches to get him in, involved a lot earlier than they did. But mm-hmm. at this point, I'm not sure I'm sold on him yet. I want to see him, you know, a little bit more. In a March offense, you know, Devin Hester is more a March receiver than Aroma should do really is. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But right now I would bet on Hester over Aroma should do just because you haven't seen enough from Aroma should do yet. Hey, Scott, let me say one thing. You know, having been a lifelong Packer fan and therefore having watched Favre 
for his entire career. And Cutler was one of those guys when he came out who was compared to Favre and all of that. My problem isn't the receivers necessarily. It's Cutler. I'm not 100% convinced that he has the wherewithal to make the reads and throw the ball in the right place. I realize he had a couple big years in Denver, but let's face it, he's never won anything. And, you know, it was supposed to be a big deal last year when he went to Chicago. But my problem, and I realized that, that, that the Bears didn't have, and you just took Hester, they didn't have a wide variety of receivers. But guess what? Guys like Favre, you know what? Bill Schrader was a 1,000-yard receiver and caught eight or nine touchdown passes with the Packers. Favre made those receivers. I've yet to see that Cutler is making anybody the receiver, and I wouldn't be so worried as much about the receivers as I would about him. Tell, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't. I don't think there's any way to quantify that, Rich. There's no way. There's no way you could be uh, right or wrong in that situation. There's. Uh, Real Roy has actually just made another pick that he stole from me, Derek Mason. At ten one, I mean, Derek Mason uh, in the twilight of his career here. They find they brought in Bolden, but you got to think with the chemistry. And look, Mason still made some fantastic plays, highlight plays this year, and was a constant weapon for Joe Flacco. Even though you bring in a Bolden who has his own history of being injured, in the tenth round you can get a player like Derek Mason. I've got to think that that that's got to feel good. Tenth round, Derek Mason. Yeah, solid pick. You know, he's a guy who's going to get it done, you know, pretty much week in, week out, even with Bolden there. Uh, again, though, it's another team that throws it a lot more, than, I mean, runs a lot more than they throw. So that affects him a little bit. But, I, you know, at that point in the draft, I would have taken him. At what point does risk meet reward for Wes Welker? I'm sitting here looking at a guy that most people, when you talk about the Patriots' 2010 season, you just assume that Wes Welker is not going to be a part of it. But this is – Wes Welker we're talking about here, if he gets on the field, is he going to look the same? Is he going to be able to make those cuts that he needs to make to be able to dig in and take off, you know, a la Wes Welker when he catches that ball? I mean, at some point, Wes Welker makes sense. I don't know when that is. We're in the we're in the 10th round. Somebody's going to be taking a chance on him here, Rich. In my mind, if you're, if you're going to take Julius Edelman, or Julian, I'm sorry, Julian Edelman, if you're going to take him in round six, that had to be a strategy where you would take Welker later. If it's not, and you know, no one's taken him yet, uh, and maybe us talking about him will we'll screw that up. But if you're going to take Edelman in round six, then you have this is a, this is a handcuff scenario. I don't know when he's going to come back. I've heard conflicting stories. Some say he's coming back fine. Some say he's not great. But an Edelman. Uh, Welker combo seems to me to be to make common sense. I would have never taken Edelman in round six, but since you already have him, don't you have to take Welker later? You definitely want to try. Go ahead, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say you definitely want to try if you're making that that play uh, because I I think it, it, you know. Even when Welker comes back, you, you still get a little bump out of Edelman, so it's not a bad play there. So if you can back him up with him, it's not a bad bad shot. And, you know, he just took Jeremy Shockey as his, his number one tight end. 
uh, this is Chef Paul, the guy who took Edelman. And at that point, I, I would have been inclined to take Wes Welker there over Jeremy Shockey, who's going to give you two or three games a year at most of, of decent production. The rest of the time, he's not going to do squat. It's amazing how many names are still on this board uh, to, to see uh, Steve Slayton, who, was, who, who had such – and, you know, to be honest with you, he didn't have such of a bad – second half when he did get in there. The problem is he wasn't healthy enough uh, to get in there enough, and that's that's the problem when you're that size of a back and you bring in a Ben Tate and you have an Arian Foster. I mean, it's just such a crowded backfield. You're taking a stab here. Now, I'm going to go with a guy who <laughs> I, I, I've already said that on my dynasty running back is, is somebody that you have to target and you have to go after, a guy that's going to get his chance uh, this year with a Jason Campbell-led offense is what it sounds like here in Oakland. Uh, with Michael Bush, Michael Bush, uh, the University of Louisville product uh, that was supposedly going to be, you know, a first or second round talent uh, in the NFL until he blew out his knee in that first game against Kentucky. He comes into the season, sits a year uh, for Oakland and doesn't get involved at all. But when he does come in for the last couple of years, every time he's been in there, he's been a pretty big weapon. But you got you got to scratch your head and say, what's the deal? Why aren't you getting this kid on the field? It's not pass blocking. They haven't brought up anything about that. It's not the playbook because you're a running back, right? What kind of plays you need? Just take go. You know, what's the deal? Michael Bush, is this the year that they've maybe finally turned the corner here and, and Michael Bush becomes, uh, you know, the weapon for the Raiders? I'll, I'll give that one to Jim. I I hope so. I mean, they got so much invested in McFadden, though, you know, they're going to really need to step away from him. And that, that's hard to do in Oakland. You know, they don't like to do it too often. You know, if if the guy who did the actual draft for the Raiders this year is the one making the decisions, then I think we have a much better chance of seeing Bush. If it goes back and reverts back to Al Davis, who obviously wasn't at the draft for Oakland this year, then, you know, all bets are off. And, you know, McFadden could be in there grinding out his two yards of carry for the whole season just because he is who he is and what they're paying him. Yeah, hard, hard, hard not to give the guy that you're paying that much money to the ball. Uh, but, you know, the McFadden is, is one of those playmakers. He's going to get his shot this year as well to, to, to move. And I think it's going to be a thunder-lightning type of combo here. And so, you know, look, if you're the Raiders, you can't be thinking that you're going to depend on Jason Campbell to win you games. I mean, he's not been able to do it in Washington. You take him to an inferior team, right? A team that whoa, 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 inferior team. No, no, I, I have to disagree with you there. Okay. <laughs> I, I think the weapons he has in Oakland, as far as receivers, far outshine what he has in Washington. Um, I, I'm sorry, really? hand, hand over foot. Uh, I think these guys are just better. I think Lewis Murphy is going to is going to definitely become a, a decent playmaker in this league. I love Shaz Shillings as long as he uh, can stay healthy. Zach Miller, uh, I mean, look what he did with the, the quarterbacks they had last year. Uh, I think Campbell's going to get the ball to him a ton. I think the, the playmakers are just better. If they can get the running game to do anything, I think Campbell definitely upgrades that offense a ton. Well, who are the receivers there? I mean, we've got Darius Hayward Bay, you've got Chad Shillings, you've got Lewis Murphy. These aren't these aren't household names. You do have a nice tight end in the middle, Zach Miller, but you had great tight ends in Washington. You have Cooley and Fred Davis. I mean, uh, yeah, the, I guess you could kind of say the wide receivers are comparable. Santana Moss, Devin Thomas, Malcolm Kelly. There's, you know, I, I guess you could say that the defense. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe the defenses are comparable there too. I guess it comes down to offensive line and. 
I mean, I, I don't even really know this. I mean, the offensive line in Washington is, is definitely not what it used to be, and and that's what that's what made Portis so good, and that's what made that that such a weapon. And you know, now you've got a three-headed monster there in Washington with Portis, Larry Johnson, and fast yeah. <laughs> Willie Parker, right? I mean, what what are they gonna do? I mean, that's a, that's just man, that's the biggest mess of a running back situation I've ever seen. Yeah, that, hey Scott, let me let me let me chip in for a sec. The one 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 thing I do think about the the conversation you guys just had about Oakland is you know we all we all want to say they suck and we all want to say that Al Davis is a dick and he has no idea what's going on. I will say this, uh, um, you know his him choosing a quarterback has been terrible for five or eight years or however long it's been. Since since I don't even remember the last good quarterback they had. But the one thing I will say is that scheme matters. Now, I'm a Packer fan, and, and Mike, I'm used to Mike Holmgren and for all of the guys since who ran a West Coast offense that was a true West Coast offense uh, compared back to the days of the original 49ers. You know, you know Jason was never that quarterback. He was never that quarterback. He's a big thrower. He can throw it deep. He never had a quick release. He was never a timing guy. He wasn't going to take a three-step drop and throw a slant. Alex Smith does that better than him. So my thought is just it's a scheme thing and that him going, him going to Oakland and having a deep threat and having a decent defense and having a decent running game, I think since Jamarcus Russell is completely hapless and should be out of the league and he and Ryan Leaf should start up a foundation of some kind together, I think that they could be way better. It doesn't matter about the receivers as much as it does the scheme and the quarterback, and I think he fits way better than Jamarcus ever did. Very maybe, uh, may, maybe possibly here throughout Team Legacy. We're on the clock here with 24 seconds, and, I, and I'm going to go ahead and, and take just a, a a player here that I think can have a big year. It's not somebody that I think can contribute, obviously, uh, on the level like of a you know a Wes Welker if he were healthy. Uh, but since he's not healthy, I'm going to take a stab and a swing for the fences here with a wide receiver that I really like what I saw a couple years back uh, at Illinois. Didn't have a great year last year, but I think it was really quarterback-related. I think if they had a quarterback in Illinois, Aurelius Ben would have been a first-round receiver taken. Now, wide receivers normally don't do, right? They usually don't have the type of year that you need them to have. But this is the type of pick that, you know, everybody kind of laughs at the the people who took Crabtree when he wasn't even in camp last year. And look what happened to Crabtree at the end of the the year. He became a guy you could plug in and, and, and get some starts out of and. Aurelius Ben is in a great situation with Tampa and Josh Freeman. They don't have anybody else to throw to. So uh, you've got Kellen Winslow and, and maybe Aurelius Ben, and that's about it. So uh, we're going to take a swing for the fences. I don't want to bog the discussion down with Aurelius Ben talk, but we got to be we got to be in close to this West Welker, don't we? I mean, it's got to be right here, right? Well, the only thing I'll say to that, and I'm just double-checking on the board just to make sure I got it correct this time, but I think I would have went Sammy Strouder over him 
just because he's been there a year, he's been in the system, he had a fairly productive rookie year, and, you know, he's not going to go through those rookie things again like Ben is going to do. So I, I think I would have went with the, the number one at this point, and I think that's what Stroud is going to be in 2010. Maybe in 2011, Ben moves past him, but I don't see him doing it this year. Wow. i got to say, Scott, the one thing that irritates me about the draft and and the thought about the draft is just that everybody thinks in the first few rounds that those guys are going to step right in and make a difference. Uh, I mean, I'm an Ohio State fan. I live in Ohio. And I saw Ben play a few times against the Buckeyes. You know, he's he's big. Uh, he's pretty fast. He's an amazing uh, – his hands were amazing. He made some great catches in the games I saw. I think he has a chance to be a tremendous player, and if it doesn't happen in year one, that's fine. You're 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 drafting guys to try to fit your team for a longer period of time. I think as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, and the receivers they've had recently, and I, I know I have to live with the Antonio Bryant coming to uh, the Bengals thing, but I think he could be a tremendous value when he was taken. And the, the big part of this is, you know, do you get a guy who's committed and then down the road will give you something more than what you paid for him? And I think when, when he was taken and, and his potential, I think he's a tremendous pick. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> You know, you've still got Wes Welker on the board. It doesn't look like Wes Welker is fitting in to Chef Paul's strategies. He passes on Wes Welker, and he takes LaDainian Tomlinson in the 11th round, guys. LaDainian Tomlinson, who was a – in the 12th round. LaDainian Tomlinson, who was a first-round pick last year, as early as last year, is now a 12th-round pick. The career uh, – the days are over for LaDainian Tomlinson. And look, Generation X does take Wes Welker – uh, he doesn't let him get past him one more time. He was tired of hearing us talk about him. Uh, Wes Welker is off the board as Ladane Tomlinson, and there goes Austin Collie. Here we go. Donald Brown was selected a few choices ahead of Ladanian Tomlinson. That means it's the end. <laughs> hey, well, you got to, you know, don't don't put Donald Brown so short. I mean, a lot of people were very high on him coming out, and, you know, he's, He's an explosive back. If he does get the chance, I think you're going to see a, a nice little shine from him. I agree. It's it's youth over age is what that means. It's just It just sounds funny from a fantasy viewpoint to actually say it out loud. Yeah. Well, I got one even better for you than that. How about Anthony Gonzalez being picked before Terrell Owens? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well said. We we are in fantasy never uh, never land at the moment. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I sat there, I sat there and played just a, um, I played a safe play here. I thought, you know what, I've got San Antonio Holmes out for the first four weeks, and if some of my guys don't pan out, if there's an injury or anything that happens to one of my guys, I'm gonna need a starter. And so I figured, you know what, Jericho Cotri, I'll throw him in there, and he's got to hold the fort down while San Antonio Holmes is is waiting to come on, right? So I figured let's just play a little safe pick here, get a little bit of safety net, because I've, I've swung for the fences on quite a few picks, and I kind of like to balance that. So, you know, God forbid if Vincent Jackson gets injured and San Antonio Holmes are out, you got to be able to plug somebody in, right? Well, you can't plug in Aurelius Ben. So you're going to have to wait on him. 
uh, maybe the second half of the season. So I'm going to go ahead and plug in a Jericho Cotri if I have to. Uh, look, the bottom line is I was going to go for a, t- a backup tight end. They're all gone. I mean, forget it. So some of these guys have – everybody has two, and some of them have three. I mean, so there's no real reason to even go for a backup tight end at this point. Just go ahead and ride it out. I got Gonzalez to week eight. So, you know, I'm sure I can pick up a backup tight end by week eight, right? So. Hey, Scott, let's talk strategy. In looking at the teams, let's look at the real Leroy. He took Best and Spiller back-to-back in rounds four and five. Now look at what he's done. He's taken Cadillac Williams in nine, and then he took Larry Johnson and Clinton Portis back-to-back in 11 and 12. Now let's talk about that strategy. He's got two rookies two of the oldest guys in the league, and a guy who's been injured over and over and over. Yet, in a way, you could see that, that he's making risk the biggest part of his draft. And if, if, if one of those guys ends up being great and one of the others is just oh, oh so good, he has two tremendous running backs. What do you think about that? Well, First of all, it's either genius or madness when you're talking about Leroy. And, and listen, Rich, you've got to be careful. When you're addressing Leroy, you got to remember this is King Genesis. This is King Leroy. Let's make sure we address him properly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, did, I, do, I don't have the music on my end. I love that you filled that in. We got to we got to get Leroy a robe and like a scepter and a crown to show up at the draft. That would be. That would be uh, instant uh, instant message board material, uh, website material right there. No, I hear what you're saying. Look, it's either madness or genius. I really don't know what to make of it. Uh, I like to be able to swing for the fences, and then, you know, you throw in a couple of guys. But look, Larry Johnson and Portis, I don't know what's going to happen there. You might as well go ahead and grab Willie Parker, too, and maybe all these guys get 10 carries, or maybe, you know, they're just trying to wash out to see which one of these guys has anything left in the tank. And if, and if, and if, and if one of them does, Maybe they become a bell cow in that offense. I mean, you've got McNabb, so you're going to move the ball. But I don't see – I mean, do you see any of those guys really putting up big stats? Portis in the 12th round? I mean, Ladanian and Portis in the 12th the round. The hardest part about this strategy is deciding who's going to, who you're going to pick to start each week. And that that's just going to be the bane of his existence because, you know, when, when you have that many guys who are, you know, hit one week, hit and miss the next week – when you try and figure out what week they're going to do what, it never seems to work out right. So when you try to play that many matchups, it doesn't work very well, and I think that's going to end up hurting him. He's going to have the guys sitting on the benches that have the great games and the guys on the field that just don't, no matter how he works it out. Well, but the, the one thing about those guys, since they are so old, Jim, you may have a situation where injuries ruin the day. I mean, you you know, Larry Johnson comes in and plays week one or gets dinged up or Portis doesn't, so now you've got a guy that's officially out. We all know about Portis. If they had a couple extra backs on the roster, they'll, they'll call Portis out, you know, because he's a guy, you know, every time he was a guy that's very difficult to even have on your team. Anytime he has a questionable tag and you're watching it up until game time, it's hard to leave him in your roster because you don't know what it's going to mean. He's always I'm sorry. As a Packer fan, I need to say – that in round 12, Brett Favre has been chosen. I don't care what team he's on. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm awake now. Ooh, <laughs> up Brett Favre with Glenn Coffey. I don't see it. Coffey just didn't get it done last year. Nobody stirred him up enough. 
Uh, I I just think this kid is going to be one of those guys you're going to see fade away into the distance. Well, we're a couple of picks away. Again, this is Red versus Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. We're doing a special Thursday night draft, play-by-play commentary draft of the FFPC Genesis. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks to Jim Day, we've we've had from uh, Fantasy Taz on Twitter. Uh, he's he's from FantasyFootballWiz.com. And we've got Rich McClellan with us, joining us from the uh, the newly formed Fantasy Players Association, uh, one of the charter board members. Uh, Rich, talk about uh, what you're doing at the FPA and well, what we're doing here at the FPA. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of exciting uh, a lot of exciting days, uh, a lot of exciting input we're getting from a little bit of a little bit of everybody in the industry and players. Talk about why you why you wanted to join the FPA. Scott, um, you and I and my partner Paula. Uh, you know, we were in the first league of the very – we were in League 17 of the very first whack-off league. I refuse to not to not call it whack-off. I think that's a great idea. You know, so we've known each other since day one of yeah, yeah. the, the, uh, the big-time fantasy league. You and I have both been in FFPC from day one. Here's what I would say. I do think – that there are multiple opportunities to tell people what is good and what is bad about where they spend their money. And the only reason I got involved in this was because of you. You, I think, have been neutral through all of the leagues you've been in, and I've been there from day one. And so I volunteered to help just because I think that the the, the fantasy players of the world deserve a voice. And you're the one who stepped up and tried to make it true. I volunteered to be a part of that. And I hope that we can make the fantasy world a safer place for all of the people who want to put their money in because we want the industry to grow. We don't want it to fail there are these people that have promised big money and they wouldn't pay. And our job is just to be a neutral observer of the industry and to try to make each of these companies respond to common sense uh, personal service. They're, that's all they need to do. Pr- say what you say, present what you present, Pay what you're going to pay, and you know what? You'll be at the top of our ladder, and I think you and I agree on that, and that's my that, – I just – I'm all about trying to help you accomplish making people do that. I volunteered too, but they said no. <laughs> and, and for good reason too, Jim. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, thanks for saying that, Rich, and you, you guys can see why we – why we selected, uh, why Rich was selected here. Uh, I, I, I definitely couldn't find a, a better person to uh, bring on board and, and be a charter board member than, than Rich McClellan here. He's got the passion and the heart for it. We're looking out for the fantasy players. Nobody in the industry, unfortunately, is looking out for the fantasy players. It, it's, it, to be honest with you, people have said they've tried and it didn't work out. And so whatever, we're going to be here. Uh, somebody had to do it. Look, if I'm not the right guy, then I'll step down and I'll let somebody else run. I don't really have the personality to be overly critical. I've never been overly critical about anything. I'm always looking for the good in people, and I'm always trying to be positive and turn negatives into positives. So I'm, a, you know, I'm always looking for that. So maybe I'm not the right guy for it, but we'll find out as it goes on. We've got the draft pause right now, so, so we've got a little bit of time to talk here. 
But the FPA is, is, is formed to, to be a transparent voice for the fan, fantasy players. Right now, a lot of times, fantasy players look at contests like they're employees. And the bottom line is, look, they're not employees. These are not your employers. Uh, you are consumers. You are buying a product. You deserve uh, respect. You deserve to be able to ask any question you want and have it answered at any time with complete transparency. The type of money we're putting up, $1,000, $1,500, $2,000. Some leagues, guys, $2,500, $5,000, There's too much money to be in, involved here. And we've seen some major, major tra tragedies in the industry. You know, it's all the way dated back to, to several of the leagues. Then you had AFFL happen. You had the tragedy with AFFL2. You had Fantasy Jungle. It continues on and on. We can't let this go uh, unnoticed. The players have, have got to know that, uh, they have somebody that's looking out for them and presenting facts. And, and if there's red flags and sirens going off, you know, we, we're going we're gonna to bring them up and we're going to bring them out and so that you can see them. I'm on the clock right now. Jim, uh, talk about what you saw in the FPA and, 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 and what, you see, uh, what you see as potential of. Well, I, like you say, I, like you both say, I mean, the potential is off the charts. I mean, the, the industry is growing leaps and bounds, and if we don't get – try to get any kind of a hold on the industry and just let all these fly-by-night people come and, and rip people off, then, you know, that's just going to be that many more people that leave the game never to come back. And, and that's not good for any of us. So if we can give them a stable platform, a place they, they, they know they can go to to get answers about these type of leagues and who they can trust and who they can't, then, you know, I, I think that's going to be a major boost for all of them. Yeah. It's it, it, it absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm kind of stuck here with this pick. I got to make this pick real quick. Uh, I got a, I got a player for you if you really want to be avant-garde here. I, I right, really love Arian Foster this year. Uh, I I just think he has a really decent shot to take the the start in Houston, even with the draft pick. Uh, I'm just saying, yeah. this late in the yeah. draft, not a bad shot. Yeah, actually, I actually had him. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's at the list here with uh, the sharp choice and. Uh, I was looking at Marshawn Lynch, kind of waiting to see him fall. He, he went right before me. I also had queued up Matt Stafford right before that. He got picked, so two picks back-to-back -back like that. Yeah, Aaron Foster, he's worth, a, he's worth a chance here. They brought in Ben Tate for a reason. They paid, you know, a pretty good price for him. Uh, and you've got Steve Slayton on the board, too. But Aaron Foster had, had a little bit of mojo there, so we'll, we'll take a chance with, uh, with Aaron Foster. Now, back to the FPA for just a quick second. Then we're going to start breaking down these teams for the last 15 minutes. But, look. It's it really become the wild west here, right? In the in the world in the world of the industry, and and we've got issues all around us uh, that that need to be addressed. And 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 the bottom line is this: look, with with this industry going on and the direction that it's going, you're talking about lawsuits and actions being taken in the legal world. The consensus among a lot of people and leaders of this industry that I've spoken to are saying that. If we don't do something, if the players don't do something to police themselves in these, this industry, what's going to happen is some kind of eventual intervention is going to take place. It's going to be a government intervention, and it's going to ruin this hobby for all of us. We enjoy the high-stakes industry. We enjoy fantasy football and, and, and putting these leagues on, those, the things that FFPC does and the World Championship and the NFFC, all the guys that are out there. We love these games. We love these contests. It's our hobby. It's our passion. It's what we do and have fun with time away from our families is what we do. We're not playing as much poker as we are fantasy football. So if we don't do something, we, there's a chance we could lose this industry, and we don't want to let that happen without fight. That's what the FPA is here to do, uh, is to put up a good fight, and, and let's see what we can do. There's a lot of sites that are springing up. I, I absolutely love some of these sites, you know, these fancy factors and draft zones and all these guys that are bringing up these daily contests. But there's some other ones out there that are blurring the line between 
what fantasy sports is and what gambling is. And when that happens, you have you start to see some uh, some people come and step in, like you're seeing in New Hampshire and Massachusetts. These states up here, these congressmen are are taking a hard look at what's going on here. Is this fantasy football or this, you know? And and so when you're when you're talking about you know who's going to have a bigger game today, Greg Jennings or or Marquez Golston, and you can bet it straight up. Well, how is that any different than a prop play, right? That's really blurring the line between what's fantasy football and what isn't. So they have to be very careful. I hope they are. I know I have a lot of confidence in these fantasy sports. We know it's already been ruled on. It's a game of skill. I don't see that. You know, but if if you have so much of this litigation going on and all this legal action, we can really lose this industry. And I don't want to I don't want to see that happen. Now, Jim, for you, uh, you know, we we we're, we're, we have a a bit of a concern. So what we decided to do is roll out our board members in two phases. Uh, we wanted a round one and a round two, and we still got four spots left. And Jim would be a fantastic addition to any board with the type of content commitment that you see from from somebody like Jim and. And to be honest with you, I, I know I know there's been lots of names that have approached me to be on the board of the FPA that are industry guys that, that have their websites, that have information sites, that have things going on. And we made a conscious decision. I made a conscious decision with this first round of board members. We've got another round coming up, but this first round of board members to say no industry guys at this point. Right now, I just want fantasy players. This, this is very important to be a player-driven uh, uh, effort here. And if, if the players decide that, you know what, uh, it's, it's okay to bring on um, sites that aren't contest-related and, and maybe writers and, and sites that could help contribute. But, but FPA has a lot of goals and a lot of plans. I mean, we'd like to be able to review Fantasy Football Wiz as an information site and give people a take. And it puts, it puts the industry guys in a very tough situation to be impartial in, in those types of situations. Now, we are talking about ways to exclude them from those types of reviews. And in that type of industry, so if you bring in a, if you bring in a, a, a site content guy or, or maybe an information website, you completely exclude them from anything to do with uh, site information content or reviews. But uh, there's just some questions we got to iron out. So what I'm going to do is use this board help me get my mind around some of these issues that are, are concerning. The, the goal of the FDA is to be impartial and fair and transparent. So those are three words that I kind of throw out there a lot. Um, and, and with industry guys, it's, it's image is, is, is and perceived uh, impartiality is very important. So that's why we're pausing on any, any, any industry involvement, Jim, because I'll I tell you what, I'd love to have you on the board just for, just for your commitment alone. Uh, and, and, and I was only teasing, Scott, absolutely. We had talked about this off-line, off and, uh, you know, I know you were thinking about not having any industry guys. And, you know, it is what it is, and that's a conscious decision you guys are making. I can't fault you for it. Uh, I will say that, you know, my site has no money involved. We don't play, you know, anything like that for money. And uh, we're I, I'm just a guy who's committed to fantasy football. This is what I do. It's my full-time thing. Uh, you know, I just do it all the time, and it's it's my love. It's my passion. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> if for no other reason you're talking about fantasy players, I played in 55 complete leagues last year. That's wow. not even including the draft master <laughs> league that I played in. So, you know, you're, you're talking about a player. I, that's what I do. I, I play in leagues, all different types of leagues, and pretty much any variety of league you name I've played in or am playing in now. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Fifty-five leagues. You, a, A, you suck. B, you have more time than I do. C, I would, my partner's now going to say, why can't we play in more leagues? Because it would be fine. I love, I love that. And you know what, Scott? I only got involved because 
really, literally, I only got involved because of you. I've known you since day one of the high stakes. Uh, And you know what? You've never, you've never had a literally bad thing to say about anybody, you know, out loud. You've, you've done a great job of, of being uh, neutral, and the only reason I'm involved is because of that. And so from this point forward, I agree with you that to make an organization, create an organization is a better word, that will further the players' ideas and the players' thoughts and the players' concepts is is great. This 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 industry has had many failures, and a bunch of people have been. You know what I meant to say there, um, and they don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. Well, nicely done. So my thought is to join ranks with you and with the other people that are board members of the new organization that we all want to have happen. It's just that we can make things better, guide people towards something that's safe, and not allow people to take advantage of a growing industry. The, the, the fantasy world in general has been growing like crazy, not just football, baseball, NASCAR, racing, um, I mean, hockey, whatever it is. I've actually been in some, some uh, I've actually been in some things I shouldn't have been involved in, and I lost all my money, so I'll stick to football. But still, <laughs> the, idea, the idea that the organization would give the players of any, any type of game a, a voice, I volunteered to be a part of that because it's ridiculous that big corporations or semi-big corporations could take advantage of us. And I'm with you. I will help you any way I can. And, okay, that's the end of whatever speech I had. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Let's, let's bring down the teams while we have some, some time left here, guys. Let's go ahead and start at the top. The bottom fingers start off with Chris Johnson, Ryan Matthews, and Dan Sproles. And he teams them up with Sidney Rice, Sims Walker. And it looks like his, third, his sixth starter will be Mike Wallace. Uh, so his flex is Mike Wallace, and his other flex is Darren Sproles. Mm-hmm. Michael Finley with his tight end. I guess he could take a Chris Cooley instead of a Darren Sproles. Kevin Cobb at quarterback, or even Brent Farr, which <laughs> great pick there that late in the 12th. What do you think of bottom hangers with that starting lineup? Oh, you go first, sir. Go ahead. No, uh, oh, you're talking to me? Well, first yeah. of all, my thought is, <laughs> hey, I'm a Packer fan. Taking Finley at number two, huge risk, huge, huge risk. Uh, the guy is a physical freak. He was a wide receiver in college. He became a tight end slash wide receiver when the Packers took him. He doesn't pay attention. Uh, you know what? He did at the end of the year. And then you're gambling on Sidney Rice, Ryan Matthews, and Mike Sims Walker in the next three. I gotta give I gotta give the Bada Bingers credit. 
they're gambling big. If all those guys hit big, it could be yeah. big, but I'm like not that. buying it. I like oh, that team. I, 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 yeah, go I, I got to disagree with you here, though. I, I mean, yeah, taking some some chances. I mean, Sidney Rice, even without Favre, he's he's definitely a better receiver. People know it now. The quarterback, whoever steps in, is going to have faith in him. You know, he may not put up the same numbers if Favre's not there, but he's not going to lose a ton. Um, Jermichael Finley, I mean, you're a Packers fan. You say it's a huge risk. I don't agree with you. I think this kid is a solid guy. He really came on strong at the end of the year. I think that's the guy we're going to see this year, you know, in a great passing offense with a quarterback that's not afraid to throw to him. I think that's a a solid pick there where he got him. Uh, I really think this kid has a chance to be top three this year if he can stay healthy all year. But then you talk about, you know, Mike Sims, Walker, Ryan Matthews, they're all risks, sure. But he backed up, you know, those guys up with Darren Sproles is a definite Great backup in round 10. And then, you know, you got Mike Wallace, Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, and Devon Bess as backup wide receivers. That is great depth. I'm not a huge Demarius Thomas fan, but in in Denver, with the amount of money they're throwing at him, they're going to throw at him all day long until he learns how to run routes. But until then, he's going to get a ton of catches. Uh, Des Bryant, I, I love Des Bryant. I think this kid is a major talent. And Devon Best now, you know, with Marshall on the other side, Devon Best is, is going to become a, a beast in that slot. I think he has a chance to really put up a solid season. So I think his backups really give him the balance he needs with those other guys if they don't pan out the way you think. Oh, man, I'm, I'm all over that team. The more you look at it, the more you like it. I mean, with Sidney Rice and Favre connecting, Sims Walker a great year, Dez and Mike Wallace with unlimited upside, uh, Kevin Cobb as a backup just in case, and then Finley, uh, you've got Matthews. I mean, that team is just loaded. Let's move on to Quirks of Quan, Peyton Manning, Adrian Peterson, Forte. You know what? By the way, I'm on the clock, so I don't want to hold up the draft. I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that I absolutely love just in case of an Adrian Peterson injury. Toby Gerhardt, the beast. Uh, so moving on, Quirks of Quan here. Uh, you know, you, you see Peyton Manning-led team with Antonio Gates, very strong at the quarterback and tight end. What happens to his, his flex? That's the question. If you go that strong at quarterback and tight end, what happens? Let's take a look. Adrian Peterson and Forte with Reggie Bush and Jacobs, maybe, uh, as your two flex. Greg Jennings and Jeremy Macklin. They get off pretty good here. If you take Peyton and Gates that early, look, Jacobs isn't done. Getting Jacobs in the end of the eighth round, you got to think that that guy's up for a little bit of a rebound. So I like what he put together there. Pulled it off. And, and I, as far, love, I love Burleson out 13. Sorry. As far as I'm concerned on Quirks, this this is a perfect example of how the world has changed in three years as far as high-stakes fantasy league. We, you know, I think all of us are talking about PPR or ending FFPC with the tight ends getting extra points. Look at look at his Look at his roster. No one ever would have taken Gates at two uh, five years ago. That wouldn't have happened. I'm a Packer fan. No one, no one would have taken Jennings at three five years ago. But he has this roster where, from a running back viewpoint, with Peterson, Forte, Bush, and Jacobs, that if, if he can pick who to play, here's the real issue to me, that would be tremendous He's got Manning. And I, I don't know. I think that that's a team that could win if he can figure out who to play. 
Oh, I, I definitely don't see it that good. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it could always work that way. But there's definitely a few guys in there I think he went a little early for. I mean, to take Macklin against, uh, ahead of Harvin, um, that, that just doesn't equate for me. I mean, Harvin is, is so much more a playmaker than Macklin is. But, but, but you have question marks with Favre, and you don't know if he's coming back. We all think he's coming back, but you don't know. And Macklin... I mean, Kevin Cobb, they're already predicting him to have a top 15 quarterback year, so yeah, if he does put up those types of numbers. Two games. We don't know what he's actually going to do in the course of a whole season. And Macklin is nowhere near as polished a receiver as Harvin is. He doesn't run very good routes. You know, he's good on the go. Go route, you know, go. Just run. Keep running. We'll throw you the ball. He's good at that. Um, you know, the rest of it, he's not so hot at. Uh, Harvin, they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. You know, the coaches came out, you know, either yesterday or today and said they're going to get him more involved in the running game. He averaged over nine yards a carry last year. Now, granted, it was only a small amount, but that's the kind of playmaker he is. So there's no way I go that way. So he's got a few guys on there I'm not sold on. Well, well, listen, man, Jim Day is breaking it down. Fantasy Taz from the Twitter world at FantasyFootballWiz.com. We're, we're really lucky to have him because I tell you what, we are going to go, hey, if you guys can't make it, I understand, but I'm going to go 30 minutes overtime here because we've got 10 more teams that we need to at least give the uh, the credit here of, of doing what they're doing, and, and I want to break these teams down before we, we kind of have went off on a couple of different angles. I'm going to go an extra 30 minutes of overtime here for tonight for the podcast. So we're going to take a quick break. If you guys can't make it, I understand. We've loved having you. Uh, ho- hopefully you can make it, but we're going, to, we're going to take a quick break for a fantasy football whiz sponsored moment, and we'll be right back with Red versus Blue. Just give us give us about uh, 60 seconds, right? That's about, that's about all we need here, about 60 seconds, just one second. Genesis is King Leroy. Uh, the real Leroy. Leroy's ace is here. 
we're, we're, we're trying to take the crown off of this guy. He's enjoyed it all off season, and we want we want the crown back. I want the crown back after year one. This is this is year three of the FFPC Genesis draft. This is the first draft of the year for the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy of Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports, and we're joined by Jim Day, Fantasy Paz from FantasyFootballWiz.com, and we've got Rich McClellan, the newest charter board member for the Fantasy Players Association. Joining us tonight, we're doing a little bit of three-way action here, breaking down this draft. Guys, we've got two teams down. We've got 10 to go and 27 minutes to do it. So we've got about three minutes per team here. Let's move on to the show. Uh, Scott's got a good team here. Uh, let, let, let's see what he's done here. He waited for a tight end or quarterback in round eight and nine. That's kind of the conventional thinking. And, guys, I mean, you wait on your tight end, you wait on your quarterback, and he loaded up with receivers and running backs. How do you do here? Uh, Jim, I'm going to turn it over to you to, to break down the show. I love this team. I love this team. He, he's got solid backups. He weighed in on the guys and got great value where he got them. John Carlson uh, in the eighth round was a solid pick. Uh, and then to follow it up with the rookie Jermaine Gresham in the 14th round, I mean, this kid's got nothing but upside in, in the Cincinnati. And if they yeah. use him the way they should, I, I think he's going to, he could be a beast. Um, you know, and then running backs, I mean, he's got Maurice Jones Drew, definitely a stud. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, who should get a ton ton of touches this year. Jonathan Stewart, who's definitely been getting the job done even as a second back. Uh, and then follows it up with Tim Hightower, who, who in a PPR league is definitely going to get his catches. And to Shard Choice in the 15th, definitely a decent backup. With his wide receivers of, of uh, Steve Smith, Colston, Driver, Harvin, and then follows that up with Knox and Roy, even Roy Williams in the 13th. You know, you got a solid group here, and, uh, you know, the value at quarterback with Eli Manning in the ninth, followed up by McNabb in the 11th, is solid. He's got a really solid team here. He's definitely going to be fighting in this league. Well, and I'm on the clock here with another pick. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to make something happen because I'll tell you what, this ragtag team of bunch that I put together here tonight is going to be in big, big trouble if we can't if we can't find somebody to really turn things around here, and uh, let's see, I'm not not seeing anything real, real special just sticking out to me here. So, well, I I got a, I know you already got two tight ends, but I got another name to throw at you, Sean Nelson <laughs> in Buffalo. Okay, uh, he's definitely coming into the season as a starter, and with that old offensive line, I think they're going to use him a lot. He's a great receiver. Uh, definitely is good with the ball in his hands, and he's a kid I really like a lot. I was really high on him last year. You know, injuries and, and stuff just didn't work out, but I, I really like him a ton this year. And to, to go for him this late in the draft, uh, I think you can end up being a real surprise for you, especially in this what do you think about what do, you, what do you think about those wide receivers in Arizona? Early Doucette or Steve Breston, either one of those guys have anything, any life to him? Uh, I like Steve Breston. He's still, uh, he's still, I thought somebody took Breston. Yeah, yeah Brett, Breston's uh, gone, but... Uh, I, I'm there, not a so. big fan of, of, of early Doucette this year just because I think Andre Roberts is going to beat him out. I do like Andre Roberts, so if he hasn't been taken, he's a guy I, I seriously like. I know he's a rookie, but this kid is polished. He's a very polished kid. He didn't, you know, he, he went a lot higher than a lot of people gave him credit for in the actual draft. Uh, be, you know, mostly he was pushed down because he came from a small school. But you know, this kid is just a smart football player and knows the game well. And I think he's going to make a very solid addition in that team. You know, I go ahead and take Matt Hasselback uh, as a backup quarterback. Uh, obviously, when he's healthy, they can do a lot of good things there. But then, 
for some reason, I just kind of discounted Alex Smith when I looked at the name, and, and to see him come off the board right after me, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, ah, maybe I'd rather have Alex Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you do, especially with the weapons he's got around him now. Um, yeah, Hasselback is no guarantee to start. As a matter of fact, most people don't think he will. They think uh, Whitehurst will start. Oh, come on. I do. Hey, they brought this kid in for a reason, and I think they're going to give him every chance to, to do it or not do it. Uh, well, it have might, it might come next year if they need to draft somebody. It might come with the first twisted ankle, I guess. I guess they could go ahead and take a shot at him and see what happens. But if Hasselback's healthy, he's got to be given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there's no way you let a veteran like that sit on your bench for. A, for I mean, we'll, we'll see. You, I mean, if there's really going to be a camp battle, then, then, then maybe that's him. Let's, let's look at Wolkins. John Duckworth always has good drafts. Let's see what he did today. He takes Tom Brady in the fifth round uh, after the big dogs. Uh, you know, Rodgers was taken in the third, Brees and Manning in the fourth, and Brady goes in the fifth. He pairs it up um, with a couple of running backs and Michael Turner and D'Angelo Williams. Not a lot of guys that catch balls there, and that's uh, obviously a concern in this type of format. So he's going to need four wide receivers to complement those guys. So he's got Andre Johnson, the best in the game, Crabtree, Hakeem Nix, and then his flex will either be Hardesty or Evans or Slayton. Warkins, uh, I like the, uh, you know, the flex is a little weak, obviously, but everything else looks extremely solid. I like what he did there. I actually like Chaz Schillings as his flex. I think Schillings in for a big year with Campbell there. You love those Raiders. No, I don't love the Raiders, but I, I think, you know, people are very much undervaluing their team. They, you know, they weren't that bad last year. They beat a couple of, of top teams in the league in, in games that mattered. Uh, so, you know, they're not, they weren't that far away. The biggest part was, was the quarterbacks. And, you know, I mean, Campbell isn't the great quarterback, but he's definitely an upside from the guys they've had. Let's move on to uh, Recovery Boys. Recovery Boys, uh, Tommy Yates went with Larry Fitzgerald at the first pick. Uh, you can't really fault Larry Fitzgerald. There's nothing you can say. I mean, the quarterback you can fault, but you can't fault Fitzgerald. You move on with Vernon Davis in a, in a one-and-a-half points per reception uh, over Antonio Gates. Again, it's still a, a young stud in, a, in, in the NFL. Then you bring, you bring on Bolden, uh, who, who lasted quite a while. I like the value you get there. You wait on your running backs till the fourth and fifth round, and you pick up Moreno and a die, which is a fantastic combination for waiting in the fourth and fifth round for your running backs. And so, who does he pair with these guys? Is the question. Jerome Harrison has question marks. Eddie Royal has question marks, and Kevin Walker has question marks. And he's got to start two of those three every single week. That's going to be an issue for the rest of that team. Matt Schaub's fantastic, uh, but but Recovery Boys has questions on on two of his flex plays every single week. What else do you see there? I like the dangerous pick of Jonathan Dwyer in the 14th. I mean, this this kid has a chance to do something. I mean, he, he fell down the draft boards because of his speed at the combine, but, you know, that doesn't say enough about him. If you look at the game tape, he may not be that fast in a straight line speed, but he can definitely get it done on the field. He's more a football player than a, a running, you know, a straight line running guy. So I, I like him later on. He could he could pay some dividends. Uh, I've already said I, I like Lendell White. I I think he takes the starting job here. Um, you know he's a he's a, he's shaped up a lot. He's lost a lot of weight. He really worked himself into top condition last year, hoping he'd get the chance to play. You know his bad luck. He's behind a two thousand yard runner, but I think this year in Seattle, I think they give him the ball, and I think he's going to do a solid job for them. So, you know, he's got some guys late in the draft that could be real steals here 
But if those guys don't pan out, you're right. He's got some holes that are going to be issues. <laughs> well, we're on the clock here again with our 17th pick, so we've got we've got to find something here that uh, could help this ragtag bunch here. Uh, and we're not seeing a lot on the board. These guys love to pick you clean of of the talent that's out there. There's just not a lot out there. But I'm going to go ahead and just take somebody that I know uh, is supposedly going to make a, uh, an impact in Carolina right out of the gate. And that's Brandon LaFell, the rookie um, from LSU, I believe. He he he's uh he's somebody that everybody's been high on to step right into the number two spot. I don't know. I know you guys play dynasty league and, and Jim and you all and you do as well. And LaFell's one of those guys that you see being drafted right around the Damian Williams area. Uh, those those wide receivers that can make an impact. And I've, I've seen him drafted, you know, right around the Golden Tate area uh, in those rookie drafts. And, and LaFell, it sounds like he can he can step right in and maybe make an impact because Dwayne Jarrett isn't scared anybody. <laughs> Yeah, no, Dwayne Jarrett isn't scaring anybody except the other guys on the Panthers. Um, yeah, no, uh, LaFell definitely has a chance to, to step into that number two role if he can get out of the gates hot. And if he does, you know, he could, you know, we're talking rookies, so you're not looking for guys that are going to get 80, 90 catches. So you know that going right. in. So if you can get a solid 50 catches and, you know, a few touchdowns out of him, then you, you get a steal at this late in the draft. And I don't think he's a bad, bad pick here at all. Well, and you're looking for guys that can just contribute in a game when you need him. And if there's injuries or if there's some kind of way and you throw him in there and, and you know, maybe not. You know, so many times these rookies, you, you take them for what they can do late in the season as well. So if you have the, the stamina to hold on to them and keep them on your roster when they do develop and learn the playbook and learn about the hard work that it takes, you know, sometimes these guys can be players. But the end of the, the end of the year stats won't reflect top 36 numbers, top 48 numbers, but when the times that he got in there and really made an impact, that's what you're looking for. Let's move on to Smokey's Doghouse, uh, starting off with Tony Romo, uh, Sean Green and Marion Barber, Miles Austin and Roddy White. Man, he has uh, how many how many Cowboys you got there? You got you got three Cowboys in the first six picks. I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> uh, and so he's going to start Green and Barber every week. He's going to start Miles Austin and Roddy White every single week. Nothing wrong there. Let's look at his flex. Let's look a little deeper at his flex. It's Meacham, Ricky Williams, Thomas Jones, Dexter McCluster. He's got to start two of those four every single week. A little bit weak there. Meacham is somebody, though, I, I wouldn't feel weak at all. I mean, starting him in your lineup every single week. And so then the question is, can you start Ricky Williams or Thomas Jones, one of those two guys, every single week and feel good about that flex? Rich, what do you think? Ricky Williams, Thomas Jones, is that a, is that a flex, too, you can feel good about? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I, I got to say this, Meacham, a guy who had tremendous physical talent and always has, and entered the league that way. Last year, finally, he started to show a piece of, of that, uh, you know, I mean, physical talent. And, I, you know, in one sense, I think to myself, okay, he's ready, but... I, you know what? I can't say that in the end. He's just a piece. He's a slight piece of the New Orleans puzzle. They have all these other players, Bush, Colston, uh, Shockey if he stays, and, and Meacham is a great, um, what would be the way to say it? He's a great, he's a great ending piece. But you know what? Anybody that thinks that he's going to be 
a solid performer. I think it's crazy. Tell me I'm different. <laughs> You're different. <laughs> he, he went ahead and fulfilled that he into the bargain. <laughs> I, I think the riskiest pick he had here was uh, was definitely Marion Barber uh, in the sixth round. I mean, you, you could have gotten him a ton later. Nobody knows what he's actually going to do. And, and, you know, everybody's looking for Felix Jones to be the starter here. And, you know, even when Barber was playing last year, he just didn't look the same to me, and there were a lot of guys on the board I would have taken there. I think that hurts him, but I do like Dexter McCluster. I think he's another guy that they're going to get the ball in his hands in a lot of different ways. Um, I think his pick of Lauren Robinson that late was a solid pick, and uh, I'm not quite sure who this guy he got in uh, one round. This is the, the yeah. running back he got in round 15, but I don't know this placeholder guy. But you know, yeah, he's 20, good. 20 and, seconds. 20 seconds, Jim. Brian Westbrook or Willie Parker? Just taking a stab. One of these guys. Give me a, give me a name. Uh, oh, man. Are you kidding me? Those are your only two choices, huh? Five um, seconds left. I went ahead and took Westbrook. 18th I round. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, 18th round. You can't hurt You can't hurt my feelings here. You know, the, the thing that really hurt my feelings, though, is seeing Jared Cook taken in the 18th round. I didn't even see him on my list. I had his name scratched out. I went to the list of tight ends over, had it sorted by name, didn't see him on there, and and then a right one pick in front of me, Jared Cook. I, I looked for him when I picked Fred Davis earlier and didn't see him. I would have taken him there. Jared Cook's going to be a beast, guys. Let me let me tell you. All right, let's move on. We've got some teams to break down. 15 minutes remaining here, and we'll be done. Uh, let's take a look at Team Thompson. Don Thompson always drafts fantastic drafts. You love you what you see here. Let's see what he did. Drew Brees, Ray Rice, and Ryan Grant, completely solid. Uh, tight end, Jason Witten. He needs wide receivers. Hushmanzada and Moss, that's eh, a little weak there. So his two flexes are Owen Daniels, Heath Miller, Fred Jackson. Two of, uh, he's got Anthony Gonzalez, Terrell Owens, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, uh, Deion Branch was surging late in the year. Willis McGahee, my gosh, he's got tons of flex options. That's what it takes to win in this league. You've got to have options that you can plug in at any time at flex. And, and, and we, just, we just rattled off seven names there that he can throw in at flex, Jim. Oh, yeah, but I don't like any of those names. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean, his wide receiver core is the weakest in the league. Uh, yeah. Usman Dara sure. is number one. Santana Moss is his number two. Don't like with, him. With McNam. With McNam. Yeah, I don't care. Be better with Santana McNab. Moss. He's so inconsistent. I don't care, even with McNabb. Um, I'm just not a big fan of him. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, we don't even know what role he's going to play, but he's definitely not pushing off either of the two guys that took his place last year. So he's he's fighting for, you know, number five balls in that system. Uh, you know, Terrell Owens, we don't know where he's going to end up playing. Deion Branch, just not sold on him at all. He just can't stay on the field. You know, I, I just don't like his receiving core at all. I think he's going to struggle all year. In a, in a PPR league, you need to have – more solid receivers than what he has. Well, wide receivers can definitely hurt you in these leagues when you have to have to bring in uh, three, but in the FFPC you only have to bring in two, and so he does have that going for him. Let's move on to Glenn X, who just told, uh, stole my Jared Cook pick. I'm going to be upset about that all night. Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, Steven Jackson and Cedric Benson at running back, very safe. I love Deshaun Jackson. Not sure what Kevin Cobb's going to do. Kevin Cobb might even prefer Jeremy Macklin. We've got to have to wait and see on that. Deshaun Jackson and Dwayne Bowe, so his flex players are the following. Uh, he has to start two of Ben Tate, Kenny Britt, Darren McFadden, or Lawrence Maroney until Wes Welker, if Wes Welker gets back. Uh, 
good tight end in Kellen Winslow and maybe even a flex in Greg Olson, absolutely a flex in Greg Olson. But, you know, he's going to have some struggles there with that, uh, with those flex being Kenny Britt, Ben Tate, and McFadden. I, don't know. I think you have to just throw in McFadden, hopefully, as a flex and hope he gets those receptions to carry you. And then maybe one of those other guys, Tate or Britt, uh, and then can hold you over until maybe Welker gets back at the end of the year. Well, he's also sitting on uh, Mario Manningham, who's not, you know, he, he's oh, yeah. out, had a decent season. He got him late. Josh Cribbs is a guy Cleveland loves. They're going to try and get him involved. So if either one of those guys, you know, sparks anything this year, he gets great value where he got them in, in which rounds, late rounds, uh, 15 and 16. So, yeah. you know, those were solid picks. Uh, and, and I'm, I and I'm going on about Jared Cook, but uh, I'm yeah. telling you, there's a, there's a tight end still on the board that's going to be better than Cook. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I can even take him now. But, uh, you, you know, Sean Nelson, the only question is, I, I think we liked him coming out of college, and then he he, he didn't get in as, as fast as we thought. Because I drafted him last year. Jim, I kid you not, he was my 20th pick in the draft last year in this draft, in King Gen- in Genesis draft. He was the 20th pick I had. He was my third tight end behind Daniels and Cooley because I like what I saw uh, and, and read the scouting reports. But then, look, the quarterback's the problem there. You would think with a young quarterback and an inexperienced quarterback, they're going to lean on the tight end position, but it just didn't but happen. You know, and I, this is a team that, that lost their uh, their offensive coordinator two weeks before the start of the season. They let go of their, their you know offensive tackle you know days before the season started. So this offense was constantly in flux from day one. No matter who you had at quarterback, there was just no way to get any kind of cohesive unit going. So, I, I mean, that's got to factor into it somewhat. you got a whole off season for them to prepare, and as long as they don't do anything as stupid as they did last year with those two type of moves, then they should be, at the very least, a little bit more fundamentally solid this year. So, you know, I'm looking for them to improve somewhat on what they did last year just for those reasons alone. Now the Jets picked up Nick Folk, right, as a kicker. Yeah, they got. Uh, him, they got yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, they got him. They got him pegged as a Dallas Cowboy on this site, so we'll have to make oh, sure and let sure. Jeff make yeah. sure and let Jeff know that. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take Nick Folk because I think that Jets offense is something that you're gonna is gonna surprise you with that ground and pound and moving the ball. I think they're gonna be able to move and move the ball pretty easily. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and move on. We're, we're going to take a kicker just because we have to here. Uh, move on and let's let's uh, let's see. My computer's freezing up here a little bit. Let's break down the next team. Uh, Jim, can you break down that next team for me? Um, okay, hold on. I'm sorry, I was in the chat room. Uh, we're talking about 4D now. I don't know who it is, yeah. but uh, started out with Reggie Wayne and uh, Chad Ocho as his first and second wide receivers early on. Richard uh, nice. Hall, Chris Wells. Uh, nice. Ahmad Bradshaw, Justin Forsett, Donald Brown, Javon Ringer is his running backs. He's taken a lot, a lot of major chances. He's got Braylon Edwards as his number three wide receiver. I don't see it. I'm not an Edwards fan. I don't think this kid is ever going to be, ever have come close to a season like he had the one year. I just don't see it in him. He just doesn't have the game. But Zach Miller was a, a solid get at tight end. Uh, Joe Flacco and Mark Sanchez, you know, they're good young NFL quarterbacks, still not solid uh, fantasy quarterbacks. So I think that's going to hurt him. That position is going to hurt him a little bit this year. So he needs a couple of these late-round guys, uh, Donald Brown, Austin Colley, uh, maybe even Jacoby Jones to step up and and do something for him him to have any chance. 
Well, you know, you would think that if you wait on your quarterback and your tight end, which he did, and he got Flacco. I think he's ready for a big time year. I, I like Flacco, and, and and he's a guy that I could I could wait on and bank on, and I think he's going to have a very good year. The kid is deadly accurate. Uh, he's poised in the pocket and under pressure, and we've we've seen him what he can do leading this team to the playoffs. Uh, and, and you add Bolden to that, he's only going to be better. So the value that you're getting at a quarterback, man, when you wait till round eight, you you you've got a very good player there. Zach Miller, tight end, again, another great player to, to get in around six for waiting for your tight end. But what did you do by waiting? You wait to get solid, uh, you know, two flex options, and your two flexes are Ahmad Bradshaw and Braylon Edwards. Ahmad's very up and down. You never know which week is going to be his or Jacob. So it's very difficult to predict. Braylon Edwards, kind of the same way what you said. You know, he's not going to have that big year like he did in Cleveland, but he can catch a deep ball, go three for 90 and a touchdown or something. I don't see him being that big of a part of an offense. I think the thing in, in New York you're going to see is Braylon Edwards and Santonio Holmes kind of battling for that contract. They're both going to be one-year guys, and I think you'll see the best that you've seen out of Braylon Edwards uh, this year, rather more than what you saw last year, just because they're fighting for that contract. The 4D, he's got a, he, he always finds a way to pull something out. I had a, had a struggle with this draft, kind of like I did. Let's move on to Seth Paul, Carson Palmer, as his quarterback, and Jeremy Shockey. Here's a team that waits for quarterback and tight end. Let's see what he did with it. Calvin Johnson, Brandon Marshall, boom, boom. Pierre Thomas, Felix Jones, Ronnie Brown, and Chester Taylor is your four flex, your two flex, in the event that Edelman doesn't do it, or Antonio Bryant. Love that team. Very good. But Damian Tomlinson later, you got to like what Seth Paul did, right, Jim? Yeah, I like it for the most part. His starters are very solid. Uh, he's going to have to play a lot of matchups in his uh, in his flex players, but he's got players there that can definitely put up points. So he, he's got a chance to to do some damage. Uh, there's a couple of guys uh, later on I'm still not sold on. Uh, could you have taken Edelman there over Garcon? Could you have taken Edelman over Garcon? You could add Garcon as your three. You want Edelman as your, as your three? I can't do that. Uh, I, I probably would take Garcon over Edelman, but you know Edelman's in a in a place where you know if if Welker doesn't come back or if he's not the same guy, you know Edelman's in a place where he could be a PPR beast. So he's got a, a lot of upside if he comes yeah. through half that much. He's definitely a solid pick. So, but me personally, I would probably go Garcon over him. I drafted I drafted I like Felix him. Jones last year too, Jim. I drafted Felix Jones last year, and to see him draft Felix Jones over Chris Wells or Beanie Wells, uh, it's very hard for me to do. I mean, uh, you know, it's just you don't know if you're going to get a guy that can stay on the field. That's the problem with Felix. Yeah, when he's great, he's great, but he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. That's that's definitely a concern. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the kid can't last more than four games at a time, and uh, I'm not sold on him. And he's just definitely one of those guys on my do not draft list. Well, let's move on then. Uh, Chef Paul, I give him a pretty good grade. He's going to have a little bit of questions there, but it's kind of nice when Ronnie Brown is your flex one, and Edelman is your flex two, and you've also got a Antonio Bryant in a new situation. If you need him, I mean, he's got a lot of options. LT, look, he's still going to get some goal line stuff. He's still going to get some receptions out of the backfield. I mean, LT's still going to get some. Uh, he's still going to put up some numbers in that offensive line. I mean, it's a big improvement from what he what he had in San Diego. Let's move yeah, on. I, to the, I think the, one the one major mistake he did was at tight end with Shockey. Shockey is not a reliable tight end number one anymore. Hasn't been yeah. for a while. I think that's going to hurt him a ton. Um, there were a lot of tight ends on the board I would have taken above Shockey. Yeah, and in this format, you can't neglect the tight end and really and, and, and hope. But let's let's see what Shockey can do when he's healthy. He's there, but you know we all know he just can't stay healthy. Um, 
finally, the real Leroy, give him his due, the champ from last year. Uh, let's see what he put together. Uh, started off the draft with, in a very uh, FFPC-friendly way with Dallas Clark, had the guts to do it at 12. Comes back with Randy Moss and Steve Smith. It doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, uh, or is that the wrong Steve Smith? That's the Steve Smith from, uh, yeah, that's the Steve Smith from New York Giants, let's be clear. Randy Moss well, and Steve a, Smith from I wouldn't from call I wouldn't call that the wrong Steve Smith. <laughs> well, you know, you never know these days, right? He had a great season last year. <laughs> he did. He did. And I don't know if he'll duplicate that. But then you got David Best and C.J. Spiller. We talked about that. He's really swinging for the fences there. Who's he going to start? Week one, he hopes that he hopes that Washington will have made up their mind on the decision because he took all three: Johnson, Clinton Portis, and Willie Parker. And then he took Cadillac Williams, who is the starter in Tampa, right? So he definitely has somebody he can plug in. Uh, and oh, then you've got guys absolutely. like Heinz Ward and Derek Mason there. Heinz Ward and Derek Mason, that looks like that, there's some there's some Dave Gerzak influence wearing off on Leroy there with, with Heinz Ward and Derek Mason. Those are kind of picks that you could see Dave uh, making that really make sense. So what do, you, what do you think about Leroy's team here? I, I like his team a lot. I, I think he's got a lot of solid players. He He's definitely going to have to catch gold on, on one or two of these running backs. But if he does, his his wide receiver core is – Definitely solid. His starting tight end in Dallas Clark is, you know, one of the best in the league, if not the best at this point. You know, we're talking a 100 reception tight end. You know, you're looking at 150 receptions of a wide receiver to that. So that that's just a, a nice number to have. Um, you know, Cutler and Garrard is his, his quarterbacks. I like Cutler a little better with, with March coming in. If he can get any kind of control over him, uh, I think Cutler can be a little better. Um, he still puts up fantasy points. Gerard, I'm not as sold on. I think they're trying to get rid of him. But I do like the fact that he came back with Mike Thomas and Lewis Murphy late. I think those are two guys that can definitely, you know, fill in when needed uh, with this team. So, you know, he's he's put some pieces together. He needs a couple of players to step up. But if they do, he's got a solid team. All right, we're on the clock here. We've got to make a pick of a defense. I'm looking at week one schedule here. You've got the Colts taking on the Texans at Texas. Maybe this is the year they can get it done. The Cardinals are taking on the Rams. So I think I'll take, uh, is Arizona still out there? If they are, no. Doesn't look like they are. Somebody somebody was on to that strategy. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take the, I'm going to go ahead and take the Indianapolis Colts just to have that, uh, hopefully Bob Sanders comes back and, and they can keep things rolling. But they, they, they usually can play the Texans pretty tough. Uh, that's, that's a four-star game. Wow, man. We, we, we went through 20 rounds tonight. We went through 20 rounds in two and a half hours, Jim, and, and you were here pretty much the whole way. We really appreciate you stopping by, and and, and uh, you said you played in the pros versus Joe's next year. Where where are we going to see you, Jim, in the world of high stakes football this year? Uh, I'm hoping to play at the the Wyckoff, uh in Vegas uh, this year, and uh, I got a couple other ones going on that not quite so high, and uh, you know I, I don't I don't play a ton in the high stakes yet. I'm just working my way towards that. Uh, it's just, you know, when you play in the high stakes leagues, it, it's hard to play in those and play in a lot of other leagues at the same time. Yeah. You don't really have the time. Um, yeah. so uh, I, I have to, league, man. <laughs> yeah, I have Jim to delete Blair. a few of those to be able to play the, the high stakes games. So everybody, thanks for joining us here. Red versus blue. We've had Jim day from fantasy football, Thanks to FFPC. 
for hosting the Genesis Draft. We will see you You've been listening tomorrow night. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground, with the gold in your mouth, hat turned sideways, pants hit the ground, call yourself a cool cat, looking like a fool, walking downtown with your pants on the ground, kitty up. Hey, get your pants off the ground, looking like a fool, walking, talking with your pants on the ground, kitty up. Hey, get your pants off the ground. What was that song called? Pants on the ground. I came into this world high as a bird. From secondhand cocaine powder, I know it sounds absurd. I never chewed it, but it's in my veins. While the rest of the country bunches off ridges without no snapback. And they say they need that to shake their fannies in the club. They go the other route, turn each other out, burn each other out. Where a bona fide like me can't even get no back rub these days. Ain't that bleak on they part? But let me hold it down, because they shut you down when you speak from your heart. Now that's hard. While we ranting and raving about gas. They made them guess. They got some that'll blow out our back from where they stay at. I'm fascinated by the way your nipples look at me through your blouse. Freaky me, freaky you, can't help but be a route. Excuse me, Lord, lustful thinking, but that was the way we was brought up. Sneaking to watch Playboy at night, we all must be caught up in worldly ways. The chemistry between boys and girls is a lot like when we went to the woods and laid with the squirrels. During P.E., we'd be exploring each other's privates, hunching with all our clothes on until we felt excited. Then, oh, now it's on from here on out. Put your hands in the atmosphere if you know what I'm talking about. Now, if too harsh, then walk on out and I'll see you on the next song. They call it horny because it's devilish. Now, see, we dead wrong. I'm dealing with day to day. Speaking about the feelings I'm possessing for Renee. Moving around and wondering where she stayed. Saw her last that she laid. Give it another day, I say. But the Lord, he taketh away. Now I give it back low. Cause that's like bad boys without the rims. Me and my auntie was tight like Southwest. Before the pink was in, like the who owned the liquor stores. Crack cocaine, pimps and living up on this earth before when like daddy was born. But they be making it seem that my music and crime are teen. But I'm speaking the truth, not dream. So what in the f they mean, my lyrics ain't clean.